Hello, this is Scream Addicts, and I'm Jinx, your host. Welcome to a special year-end episode where myself and a couple of special guests will be talking about our favorite movies of 2017. They are Scott Foy Wonderfoy and Matt Feedy Serafini. Both have been guests on this program before, and we all used to take part in the Dread Central podcast, Dinner for Fiends. For a time, anyway. I was on, like, maybe four episodes. Anyway, this should be fun. And before we begin, I'd like to just take a moment and thank all you listeners out there, not just for listening and commenting, but for your patience. I've dropped the ball here in the last couple of months when it comes to getting episodes up. It's been a rough final quarter of the year for me, but that's no excuse. I have things sorted out now, and I should be getting episodes back up regularly, starting pretty shortly into 2018. Anyway, all that said, hey, Foy, you got anything for the opening? Uh, yeah. I, 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 let, let's just tell the truth here for a second. You're sitting here saying that, like, oh, you've had all these things going on. That's why you haven't done another show. The, the truth is, I broke your soul. <laughs> I, crushed it. I crushed it to death by sending him a movie so rare and so bad that it just, like, I just kept getting text messages about how much you were just ready to jump off a bridge rather than ever watch the rest of it or, or ever talk about it. I'm never finished. You still haven't done film. that show. Never, never. Boy. I didn't. Ever. Never? You're never yeah, going to watch the rest of it? I'm That's never it? going to finish The Stone Man, no. <laughs> wait, no. wait, 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 wait. You still, haven't, you still haven't finished it? Hell no, I haven't finished it. I saw the first ten minutes. How much more torture am I supposed to take? The first ten minutes. <laughs> My God. You, 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 man, I, I've sat through things that try men's souls, and you can't even get through ten minutes of The Stone Man. I, I, no, no more. No more. I refuse to watch Pat Morita do that to himself. Wait, Pat what does it matter? He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> what does this, it matter? Oh my god! Pat, it it yes. should be no surprise to myself or listeners right now that five minutes in, we've already run completely off the rails. We haven't even reached the opening montage of the show. You know what? I'm cutting to the montage right now. What year is this? So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. They've come here to see me. Ever since I turned 40, I've lost my inspiration. I have no joy. I'm having a hard time. I God. You found Jesus and you're making a monster movie called A Creeping Terror? Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you. I bet you think your husband will be back any minute. Try to go for help. There's no one for miles. Gerald? I'm sorry, baby. You don't get to know my name. You're dead. All I'm trying to do is bring life into this house. He'll do awful things to you. No, 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 no. Calm down, sweetheart. Calm down. Tell me to stop, Bobby. Sink into the floor. Wait, wait, wait. I can't remember much before all this started. My name is Alice, and this is my story. The end of my story. I'm finished with this war. Well, it's not finished with you. There are too many of them. Do I look worried? It's like it flowed through me. I don't remember painting this. Do you know about the sisters, don't you? Worship the devil. <laughs> and they call me sick? It's time to wake up, honey. Oh, hey, you're up. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? 
100%. All right, guys, here we are. Now, our year in lists for 2017, top tens and whatnot. Before we dive in, uh, would you guys mind terribly reintroducing yourselves to, uh, to our listeners? Oh, well, uh, my, my name is Scott Foy. I, I am an American. I am uh, <laughs> I'm about six foot five. I weigh about 250 pounds. Um, Apparently, I have a much greater tolerance for bad films than the host of the show will ever have. Uh, I, I have written for many a website, including Dread Central, uh, Creature Corner, uh, the Harry Knowles Indictment Chronicles. Uh, uh, and, other, and my own website that no longer exists. Hey, uh, Foy, what are you, uh, what are you wearing right now? Uh, actually, honestly, I'm wearing a Jaws ugly Christmas sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay. I am, uh, Matt Serafini. Um, I too used to write for Dread Central. Um, like Jinx and like Foy, you have possibly heard me on the Dinner for Fiends podcast. I lasted a little longer than Jinx. Um, and, uh, I write books. So, um, if you are inclined, you can go to Amazon, put my name in and, uh, you will see a, a bunch of books on there that you could purchase and review. And that would be, uh, much appreciated. I wholeheartedly endorse Farrell. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> All right, anyway, guys. getting getting back to the getting back to the Stone Man. You are not turning this into the Stone Man episode you pitched me, sir. Wait, 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 wait. We got Pat Morita. We 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 got Larry Manetti from Magnum PI. We got the happening. sheriff from Murder She Wrote. We got an American gladiator in a caveman mask. We got Bernie Capel from Love Boat. We we got uh the the uh the love interest, Robin Riker from the movie Alligator. Uh, we got Christopher Atkins, and and, and somehow this maybe is can, not enough for Jinx. Maybe I can cut him out of the conversation. I don't know. Can I can I mute him from time to time? I don't know how Skype works fully. Is that an option? What do you think this is Twitter? Yeah, <laughs> <mute> me. <laughs> All right, guys. So our top tens of 2017. How do you want to do this? Do we start at ten and work our way to one, and then eventually go on to honorable top mentions? 10. You're you're implying that I have ten movies on this list. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. It it was yeah, a weird I, year I, I, in compiling I this I don't list. I think we have I, anything like any set list. Oh, so we just want to just just kind of. I need structure. Damn it! <laughs> well, you you know what? Um, no wonder you hated the Stone Man. <laughs> why don't why don't why don't we use your structure as the as the the backbone of this conversation, um, and and we can riff off of that. All right. Okay. All right. So for me, I can I can I can, I, I can do a top ten list of horror movies that everyone says was great that I still haven't seen. <laughs> no, no, num, number ten, Raw. Number nine, Super Dark Times. Number eight, The Shape of Water. Number seven, oh, yeah, Revenge. Number six, Anna and the Apocalypse. Number five, Tragedy Girls. Number four, <laughs> The Girl with All the Gifts. 
Number three. Actually, I'm, I'm out. I, I ran out. You, I, you know, I want to. I want to say a thing about Tragedy Girls because the the I of that list. There's a few movies on that list that I I would like to watch, but Tragedy Girls in my mind has had the worst distribution I can I can remember. Is it even out? It came out um, very very limited in October, um, and you know it. It got really great reviews. I mean, it was it played. I want to say, you know, I don't know. I was hearing some buzz on it over the summer, you know, at a couple screenings yeah. and stuff. So it, it had that buzz, and then they they they. I don't even know who distributed it, but they they put it out in October, um, and it just you know it never went wide, and now it's almost January, and it's completely disappeared. There's no. It's not on VOD. Yeah. There's, I don't even think there's a date for the for the Blu-ray yet. Um, so it's it's an absolute like I can't even imagine in 2017, soon to be 2018, having a, a, a movie so poorly released um, that I want to see. I really want to see this damn movie. Yeah. You know, I gotta yeah, say, everybody for... says it. Everyone everyone says it's outstanding. And yet it's like, well, where did you see it besides Los Angeles? <laughs> that seems to be like it was released in Los Angeles. You know, I, I, yeah, maybe that's the way that we should begin this episode by listing the movies that we didn't manage to see. Because you know what? There is there are a handful of movies that I haven't yet seen either that, I mean, would probably maybe seem like glaring omissions from, you know, any sort of best of list that I might have otherwise made. So... I don't know. I, I guess I should probably say I haven't seen Tragedy Girls yet either. I haven't seen Super Dark Times. I haven't seen The Shape of Water because I, it is yet to play anywhere near me. I haven't seen Leatherface. I haven't seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And I haven't seen It Comes at Night. So those are the movies that immediately sort of spring to mind. Two of those movies will be on his worst list. Oh. <laughs> And I also I also know for a fact that one of Feeney's best movies of the year is one of my least favorite movies of the year. So. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, what? You know what? Yeah, fuck your sink. <laughs> that sink hasn't been braced. Uh oh. I don't know. I think we're gonna I, run the gamut here when it comes uh, when it comes to that film. I, I get that feeling. So uh, I, I can't okay. wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I I really wanted to see Tragedy Girls, and the other one that I just it didn't last long enough here for me to see was uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I I've had multiple friends now send me texts saying, "Dude, this is your movie. This is this is as dark as it gets, and you're gonna love it." And I'm trying to. Whenever somebody says that to me, I, I get really excited. So I'm trying to temper my expectations a bit, but um, I'm really looking forward to that. It's out soon. So I can't wait. I love that director. So yeah, yeah, no, he, that stuff's his stuff's good. Um, and yeah, I think I think those two, Tragedy Girls and Sacred Deer, those were my two that I really wanted to see. Foy mentioned one. Oh, Raw. Um, I've I've heard yeah. very good things about, and Raw I just haven't is, had a chance. It is very very good. It didn't quite make my top ten, but I uh, I loved it all the same. Yeah, and there's a few. I mean, there's a few other ones. Um, you know, I recently joined Shutter, and they they you know, they are really good at curating, sort of, unlike Netflix, where you it's literally like I I anything on Netflix that's a genre movie that 
looks potentially interesting, I do like a full-fledged federal background check on it before I commit to watching it because <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I've, I've watched too many terrible films on Netflix that it's like I'm, I'm on – I go to instantwatcher.com. I look at the average. I look at user ratings and it's just like – you know, nothing, nothing below a, a three on Netflix because I just don't trust it. But um, so Shutter, I, I, does anybody else have Shutter? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I don't have Shutter. I tend to trust their curation a little more. Like they, they seem really like, you know, they're not adding like, you know, the Uli Lumel oeuvre, which you know, rest in peace, Uli. But um, you know, they're not just padding out their sections with, with just. <laughs> swaths of unwatchable shit so uh, yeah, there's, there's, like, there's some padding there not much but maybe it's just padding for me but uh no, 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 no i mean there's some there's some but there's I mean, a lot of great stuff in there too i mean my god it's i mean for five bucks a month the the the, the selection is just insane yeah i like it a lot and i like it because especially you know um sam zimmerman who i, I believe is like one of the content curators there i mean he really stays up to date on like you know if a movie has kind of a buzz about it on social media if it's something that's, that's getting the chatter then it ends up on there pretty quickly you know and so like that i think he's he's really good about that and i think that makes it um definitely like you said for five bucks it's worth having and even i mean i know a lot of people didn't really care for the movie but this time last year when they released 31 it was really interesting to see them not merely release the movie, but also, you know, bonus features and behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, having Rob Zombie curate, like, you know, a number yeah. of films, like, yeah, it's kind of cool to see them sort of go all out. And a lot of their original stuff is, uh, well, I mean, you know, like the series and whatnot that they've put up really, really interesting, interesting material. So yeah, I, I dig shutter. I, I would recommend it to anyone, any died in a horror fan anyway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's you know maybe maybe that's where we'll finally see Tragedy Girls soon. <laughs> Here's open. All right, guys. Well, this hey, segment of the show brought to you by Shutter. We are not endorsed by anybody yet. So, <laughs> all right. So my number ten. Um, I, I the biggest surprise for me this year was this movie. I never would have imagined that I would go to the theater and pay to see this film or really to see it at all. It just looked dreadful to me. And, uh, I was having a really, really bad day at the end of a very bad week. And I happened to listen to a podcast that I love and they mentioned that it was surprisingly great. And so I sort of rolled the dice on it. Damn it. If it didn't cheer me up, but happy death day was one of the most fun times I had in the theater this year. Uh, have you guys seen it? That, that's probably yeah. my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I, I think it yeah, is. It would, it, if I had a top five, it would be in my top five near the top. It's uh, so much damn fun. Boy, I think on Twitter you described it best. Can you give that analogy for folks to try and, you know, sell the movie to them? Uh, if, uh, I'm trying to remember what I said. Something about screen. It was a very apropos. Oh, it was like if somebody, what was it like if somebody combined, um, I don't. I don't know. And apparently, there's a murder happening next door right now. I'm hearing <laughs> screams coming. What the hell? Jesus! Happy train. Death Day is. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone from we've gone from the we've gone from a train to apparently some sort of a societal breakdown. <laughs> anyway, oh, I don't hear anything anymore. Someone must be dead. So uh, I, I believe it was. What did I say? Like uh, if you combine Groundhog Day and. Uh, 
if you combine Groundhog Day and something else, I don't remember what it was. I said uh, Groundhog shit. All right, all right. I think it was. Oh no, I, I don't. I don't know. It was like if you can. Yeah, you can. You can edit this down. If you combine Groundhog Day and Mean Girls and made a uh, a scream smoothie. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's very apt. I mean, it, it's, I think it, it's a very youthful movie. It feels young. It feels fresh. It doesn't feel like it's, it's not trying to tread new ground, but it's just, you know, it, it clearly understands the genre and it, it's just telling a really fun little story in that genre. And uh, the main actress, is it Jessica Roth, Roth, something? She's yeah. ter- terrific. Loved her. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, Matt, the slasher, the killer's mask was something that, you know, I mean, geez, I've waited a long time to see, you know, kind of a, that sort of an aesthetic on the big screen again. Um, Ever since so, yeah. Yeah. In, yes. yeah inspired, inspired by the king cake baby mascot of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, NBA team. <laughs> is that right? That, no, I, I actually got that confirmed from Ryan Turek. Oh wow! But that was the inspiration. That they saw that on he saw that on TV and like holy crap, that thing's terrifying. <laughs> hey, he sent it to the director. You got to get a load of this mask, and that's where the idea for like the baby face came from. Wow, that's great! That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if you don't if you don't if you don't believe me, go to YouTube and find a clip of uh, from the NBA All Star Weekend when when the baby brings a birthday cake to um, someone on the set, Charles Barkley. And just like him and Shaquille O'Neal, and the, they're all just like mortified by this thing. They're just terrified. It's weird. Shaquille O'Neal is looking at this baby face thing, just screaming, Mommy, Mommy, I'll clean my room. Make it go away. I want him for the sequel. So. <laughs> yeah, they need they need yeah they need the full they need the full baby uh, costume for the next movie. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know. Watching it, I, the thing that kind of surprised me about it, it's such a great slasher movie in a way, but it's a great slasher movie that doesn't have really any kind of gruesome kills. I mean, the kills that are happening are probably pretty brutal, and yet it plays it fairly bloodless most of the time. One and two. There's really no room for a sequel whatsoever. Even though you have kind of an iconic killer, everything is kind of wrapped up in a bow at the end, and it seems like it would be a pretty great stretch if they tried to attempt any sort of follow-up. Yeah, that's yeah, a tough because thing. slasher movie slasher movies never do that. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how could you possibly make a sequel to a slasher movie? Yeah, that. Yeah, it. Trust me, they can. If it <laughs> makes would, enough money, they'll. Yeah. I would watch it. Now, uh, if you guys had a number 10, what would it be? Number 10. I don't know. I mean, I... What is at the very bottom of your list of the best? Yeah, the very bottom. You know, probably something like... I mean, this is going to sound... It's going to sound more like a a slam, I guess. It's it's not. But I would put something like It. Um, It is my number uh, nine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good. Let's... I mean... Let's talk about it because I like that it was very successful. Um, I like that you know I what I've seen um, is that you know kids kids today like like teenagers and stuff are really excited about the film, um, and 
you know, I have a couple coworkers with young kids, like preteens, and even they are excited about the film. And they, they, you know, one of my coworkers was talking to me about how his kids were describing Pennywise like he, as a kid, would describe Freddy Krueger to his friends. Um, and so it's just, it's kind of a cool thing to have something that is very culturally significant. There's no denying that this movie left a very big sort of cultural footprint. Um, Absolutely. I think the movie well, I think itself, we could also, I, uh, I was going to say it real quick. I think we can also agree. It, it hit at the perfect time. Yeah. I mean, right now we have this all eighties nostalgia culture. Stranger things is huge. And this is very stranger things ish, yep. or you could say stranger things is very it ish. Yep. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like th- this could not. This is one of those movies where, like, they st- the lightning struck at the perfect moment. Yeah, that's definitely got a lot to do with it. Um, but and I think the movie itself, um, it's well made. I, I I think it's it's very well acted. The the, the design of Pennywise is incredible. Um, as I was watching it, I had to sort of like reconcile with myself that like. You know, I am no longer the target audience for for this kind of a film, um, because I'm I was started to get a little bored by the just sort of endless string of jump scares. Which, if you're cynical, you can you can boil it down and say it is jump scare the movie. I mean, that's it's got one trick in its bag essentially, and that's what. No, it no, is. no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on a second. Jump scare the movie is Annabelle creation. Get that well, right. Well, that I have not. Seen. He's not um, wrong about that. It, but but I think um, be that as it may, I think that there's still a lot a lot of good things in the movie to like. Um, and as someone who was about the age of those kids in the summer of 1989, I thought they captured that sort of feeling uh, reasonably well. They captured that era really well. Although the strange um, the the carryover of um, geez, what was it? Was it the lone not the Lone Ranger? Um, the 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 was. The hell was it? What's the bike? What is the bike from in the book? Um, I don't remember the name of the bike. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they had one thing that wasn't updated in the new movie, and it felt strange because it was like no kid in 1989 was going was, was gonna to know what the hell that was. So it was like one <laughs> thing that kind of stood out to me, but that's totally nitpicking. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it... it it was nice to see a wildly successful horror film uh, kind of dominate and really sort of change the landscape a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't love it, but I, I like kind of I like the idea of the movie a, 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 a real lot. Now, can I ask, did you guys see it straight away or did you wait a little bit after it had opened? Uh, I went I on opening, opening weekend. Yeah. Did you? Really? OK, because I, I wondered if part of my issues with the movie. I say issues. I mean, it is in my own personal top 10 of the year, but at the same time, like there's something about it that makes me feel like I should love it more than I do. And I had thought that maybe part of the reason, you know, that it didn't quite connect with me as much as I wanted to was maybe that my expectations were so high. You know, I saw it maybe a couple of weeks after it opened. So I, I kind of felt like, you know, all the reviews and how people had sort of responded to it, how big the movie had gotten so quickly, you know, I, I went in preparing to see a masterpiece and instead, you know, it's, it's a very good movie. It's, it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's really, really good. It's just, I don't know. There's something about it. I, I, I did love Pennywise. I, I thought it was beautifully made. I liked all the actors, but there was something about the story that just wasn't fully satisfying to me. And, you know, maybe the sequel will help with that once it's a complete set. 
in a way, but it just, you know, by the time it ended, I was just kind of like, you know, Hey, that was, that was really, really good. Yeah. But, and, and uh, it, well, it's a know, shame to say the movie what? that's really, really good is still a bit of a letdown, but in its case, I mean, for me, that's, that's kind of the truth. Well, let, let me hit on something that's been one of my big, biggest pet peeves for the past year. Entirely too many movies, and, and not just horror movies, but it seems particularly true of the, uh, in the horror realm, movies that are just okay, that are now suddenly, because they're just okay, are being like, no, no, they're great. <laughs> they're awesome. They're spectacular. It's like, you have to see this. And then you watch it, and you're like, yeah, that was, that was fine, I guess. Like, what I, immediately sure leaps to mind when you is. say that? The oh, Void. I, the what? I, I was. He said the, the void. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I. I don't know how you guys felt about the void, but it, yeah, I, I feel pretty much the same way. I, I liked the work from those guys. I, I thought the movie had some yeah. amazing special effects, but overall, it was it's not all, a great. It's flick. all style. It, it, yeah, it was all style and no substance, and just and you have to. Everything you're doing has to be in service of something. Like even even Phantasm doesn't always pull off that vibe that that movie seemed to be going for. And How about the when it was over, it was just kind. Of... <laughs> Do you want to go back to that? We can go back to the Stone Man, especially since you've only seen ten minutes of it. I, there's like another. Oh God, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, yeah, it's don't, funny. Don't, 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 don't play with the piranha here, man. <laughs> I want that on a T-shirt. I, I feel that way about a movie that I think is going to be on many people's best of the year lists. Uh, I've seen it on most people's, and and I don't know if it's going to be on yours, Jinx. But I mean that that's that's describing my reaction to Get Out. <gasps> I do not see this 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 masterpiece that it's being heralded as. I walked out and I was like, yeah, it was, it was all right. I like, I adore that movie, man. I really do. I mean, I you know I, the thing that bothers me about Get Out is like I liked it, I, I really enjoyed it, but now all of a sudden we're getting to award season, and now it's like they're trying to elevate it to something that it's it's not. It's like it was. I mean, I don't understand. Oh, oh my God! It's they're, they put it in the horror. They put it in the comedy category. It's like, but I thought it was originally hyped as a horror comedy. It's got a lot of comedy in it. Why is this now suddenly offensive? When did Get Out become Twelve Years a Slave? <laughs> Why are they suddenly acting like it's this like super important movie? That's like, it, it's not. It's just I don't, a very I don't know well that it was made. Pushed as a comedy though initially, like that trailer was really. I would. I would have. I would have sworn it was being hyped as a horror comedy. I think that's just because. Of, I, I, uh, uh, you know the the director's sort of you know like his past as a comedian. I because that trailer I remember watching. I remember thinking that it might be a comedy until I saw the marketing for it, and then I was like, "Holy shit, this looks really really intense." Well, number one, a lot of people people were laughing all throughout the movie when I saw it in the pack theater, and and you know, no, I mean, I'd rather it. I, I, wait, I'd rather it be called a horror comedy than a social thriller, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> I, but okay, you know, but like would, way, you, would like, you say like, it's more like, of a horror like, movie, like, or would you say like, it's more of a thriller? Oh, it's, it's, I think it's more of a horror know. film for sure. I mean, yeah, okay. it, I mean, it's, it's, it's about <laughs> it's about freaking brain transplants. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fair, and, then, and that's the thing. I mean, I I liked um, I liked it. I, I thought it was fine. You know what I mean? But it was just I 
I and I I think my I think maybe what stopped me from being really uh, enamored with it was that it's a movie that has a really good premise. It has um, I like the ending, but I thought the second act took forever, and I just really? was like, I kind of know where this is going. Um, and it, I just felt like it was making me wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it until, uh, it made me wait too long. And then I thought the ending where I really kind of was looking forward to it ramping up a little bit. And I thought it kind of ended before it really, I don't know. I thought maybe a rewatch will kind of codify my thoughts one way or another, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was a movie that I, 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 it's like, it's been one that I've watched people kind of talk about on social media and I'm like, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't, you know, like it, it's, it's an interesting movie. It's fun to talk about. Um, it's fun to talk about. Like I, I, I have a one, so one of my friends who is, is the only African American friend I have that like would actually go to a movie like that. Um, and then w- would talk to me about it. And like, like our takes on it were so wildly different that it, so it's been a really interesting movie to, to kind of talk about with various people and kind of see what they got out of it and, what, and how they reacted to it. And I will say that one of my favorite things has been hearing many different takeaways from it. Like, like not like, I don't think I've talked to one person personally that has interpreted it the same way, which it does say something about it. You know what I mean? That, that you could watch it and say, Oh, well it's this and no, 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 it's this. And so, and, you know, can I ask in what way, like what were one of the takes that kind of surprised you? Well, I, I walked out of it thinking it was sort of a, it had kind of a, a bleaker message about race relations in this country. Um, and my, my, my buddy who's African American kind of thought I, he laughed his ass off at my take on it. And this, this sort of thing was that what he said to me was, you know, no, it, it don't, it don't hate you guys. It hates the people that pretend to give a shit about us and don't. And I was like, all right. And I hadn't really thought of that until he said it to me and it made me kind of go, I got to look at that again. I definitely do at some point need to sit down with, with that kind of a viewpoint in my head. Cause that intrigued me. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I don't know. And I, I really love the kind of schlocky aspect of like, as Foy said, you know, you could boil it down to, it's a, it's a mad scientist movie in a way, you know? Oh, and I like, and I like the kind of aesthetic of like the 1950s sort of like the wood paneling and the, you know, when he's watching the expository video and stuff. Um, there's a lot of things in it that I liked, but I just thought kind of, it, it didn't, you know, the pacing of it or whatever just kind of made me more frustrated than, than happy. Well, given the, given the aspect of it, it's about brain transplants and the, and the aspect of the, the racial aspect that, it's really kind of like if you if you melted the Stepford Wise with the thing with two heads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, think, I, I don't think I ever considered that. And and it's kind of and to me my take on it is like I thought it was kind of like really kind of skewering, sort of like a, you know like like East West Coast elite liberals who are so determined to present their wokeness that they actually start like becoming self-loathing white people who just want to like, I, I want to be you, even though you are so oppressed. Because well, that, I think just, that's what the director said 
was his yeah. thing. He said, oh, I didn't want to do the, the redneck movie. He said, I wanted to make the movie where the, the liberal elites are the villain. And I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 wish, I can honestly say I, I don't think I've ever seen that in any movie, horror or otherwise. No. Yeah, no, maybe I should see it again. I mean, I, I it's, you know, like I said, there's enough about it. By the way. Yeah. By the way, but we got to go back for a second. We got a problem with one of your lists. It just hit me. You you, you have it on a horror list. <laughs> oh, it's a psychological yeah. thriller. Yeah. Get it right, man. Yeah. It's yeah, a psychological not, it's thriller. It's not a horror movie because you see, yeah, it's it, all it, about it, the it, psychology of what scares the people. My yeah, numbers like, two like, and like, one might piss some people off. <clears throat> well, it, yeah, it's a psychological thriller, as like all psychological thrillers, opens with an interdimensional demon clown that eats a young boy from the <laughs> sewer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, that's a fair point. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, how did we get on the get out again? I don't because you're going down your list very slowly. I and am. I, I am. I'm sorry. I, I will say one thing about Get Out because I, I feel like this is a wrong that I needed to write ever since I actually did an episode on Get Out when uh, with uh, guest Tanana Reef do. It didn't occur to me until listening to that episode again, and then somebody actually saying something not about the show but just about the character on Twitter. I, I should point this out. I was not defending the Rose character in that episode. I don't know if you guys listened to that episode, but it kind of sounded like I was just because I admitted that it kind of hurt to see that character turn much like it would in any film, you know, seeing somebody that our lead cares about turn out to be evil. I mean, hell, think of something like uh, uh, Total Recall, you know, you're talking about the girlfriend. Yes. And uh, I mean, I, I think that she I didn't I didn't hear that episode, but I mean, I I think she's one of the best parts of the movie. I mean, she, cause she, when she is, when it's revealed that she is in on it, like she has such a fun sort of quality about her. I love that scene where she's kind of sitting on the bed and she's got the milk separate from the cereal. And she's like checking out like basketball players on the laptop, which like, is like bond villain evil at that it's point. Great. It, she that, might as that, well have had a cat. She was petting the entire time too. Like, but I, I love that. It's not that I needed as a viewer that I needed at least one white character to be not evil. It's not, you know, that's not the case. Like I just watching it, you know, they seem like a cool couple. And, you know, when they're sort of, when it's revealed that she is evil, it just, it kind of hurts just because, you know, what that means to our lead in a way. But honestly, I, I, I feel the need to point this out. By the time the end of the movie rolls around, I wanted the semi truck from the end of Texas Chainsaw to show up and run her over. Does just, she live? Like, I honestly can't remember. I It's kind of a question mark, I think. I, I feel like it, it's probably not a movie that's going to get a sequel, but I feel like if there was a sequel, I don't know. Oh, there is, a is kind of a question mark. So. Uh, they, are, they already greenlit a sequel. Did they? Uh, it, it, it's called, yeah, it's called Get Her Out. It's just kind <laughs> of they're going to reverse things, and it's about African Americans who put their brains into white rednecks in order to finally conquer the sport of NASCAR. <laughs> 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 oh my god oh, that uh, sounds like the sci-fi channel original version of what that story should probably be oh no, god if it was the sci-fi channel ver- it, it would be like you know we have to put our brains into sharks <laughs> I would watch that movie too okay Foy what would that movie be called I don't know Jaws out I haven't got a clue oh come on <laughs> come on you've got something better than that I I, I don't know. I just, I, I can't, I, 
you, you have too high expectations for me. That's fair. All right. Number eight for me. Wait a second. Boy, did we even get around to your number nine? Do you even have a number nine? I this is madness. There is no I, structure I, to this I, whatsoever. Like, this episode is a formless like void. Like a, I have a list of like seven movies on my thing. Yeah, so. I, I do too. And we're, we can talk about them, but go down. So we go down. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll tell you what. Hit, hit, hit your number eight, and then we'll start joining oh, in. We're hitting his number seven. Number eight. Uh, oh, no, my 10 is Happy yeah, Death Day. Nine is it. Eight is Split. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. What was Get Out? Uh, that's my number three. Oh, 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 oh! Sorry, I I rushed you along. I'm, I apologize. That's cool. We'll just kind of skip by oh. when we get to it. Yeah, we'll jump around like they used to do on the old Cisco and Ebert best and worst shows. <laughs> um, I have not seen uh, Split, but I the the I'm sorry, wow. I know I haven't. Yeah, but, uh, see, the movie is only a year old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it, it's it's so a year old. I think a lot of people already forgot it came out this year and left it off their list. I'm I'm sorry. I was too busy watching Underworld Blood Wars four times this year per my letterbox rating. Oh yeah, Fino. Oh yeah, I forgot. Any any every movie where yeah he he only watches movies where Kate Beckinsale's in black leather dropping from ceilings. Hey That's hey, right. hey hey, let's let's not be judgmental about enjoying that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And for, and for the record, I would put Split might be number one on my list. Really. That I was had, a yeah. giant surprise. I did not expect that I mean, to be that good. And I was I just, like, wow, I just James McAvoy was incredible. Just You can spoil it because I've had the whole movie spoiled for me. So. When you say whole movie spoiled, what, 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 what do you mean? You I know. You don't mean the final moment. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what No, damn it. <laughs> Feeny. That was spoiled for me before the movie came out. So that's like, that was, that uh. was a really... Yeah, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I really enjoyed Shyamalan's The Visit, but Split is the movie that feels like it's the return of the guy who gave us The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Uh, I'm glad just, he the shit together. Yeah. Just from a from a punching bag standpoint, it was just like the internet was way too comfortable beating that guy up, and it was like good, good. I'm glad he shut you all up. I well, no, unfortunately, he, he, kinda, unfortunately, he, he was also giving us coming. way too much ammo. Well, let, let me ask this question real quick, Feeney. Did you ever see The Last Airbender? No, you fucking crazy. What do you think? I hate my life. <laughs> I, I, okay, exactly. That's why you would punch him. Yeah, well, I did, no, a, no, no. I mean, it's, you know, just, you don't like the movie, you move on. Yeah, but but it wasn't just that. It was, man, I mean, he, he took a long, dark trek down into just some really, thought, really I, the you happening. Know what, you know, the ha- did you see the happening? Uh, I love the happening. The happening. The is, happening is hilarious. Yeah, the happening is glorious schlock of the highest order. No, I yeah. love that movie. I, I it, laughed. I laughed for ninety minutes straight. Like it. Like I had to physically. I frowned for ninety minutes straight. <laughs> How could you not just at, at some Arms point? Arms crossed, like, sir. The entire time. You know what? You, you know. You, you know what Jinx's problem is? He doesn't appreciate hot dogs. <laughs> they got a fun shape. That's her point. Um, I mean, look, there's there's, there's a mo- there's a scene in the happening where Mark Wahlberg begs forgiveness from a uh, from a potted plant. Yes, it's wonderful. I mean, yeah, there's a scene okay, so in the if, happening if, are, where everyone's trying, to, trying to make wind. a comedy. Because if that's no, 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 that's why the happening is so hilarious. Because he clearly thought he was going to make something that was both. 
going to scare audiences and have a message. And the message is completely bonk. And the movie is a complete misfire in the most amazing way possible. Yeah, there's when no you have doing that, that on guy, purpose. You can't make that on yeah. purpose. Damn it, you're making yeah, that, dude, that, that, yeah, I will yeah. not go back and rewatch The Happening. I will not. It's, I don't care how appealing really, it sounds right now. I, I don't know. Like, I was in tears for 90 minutes straight. And I don't mean that hyperbolically. I mean, that was literally, I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, and I, and I think it's right from the beginning when Mark, I think when you inter, when they introduced Mark Wahlberg, he's in a classroom and he's like, you guys hear about the honeybees? Like, I think that's like his first line in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can the you first, please still Wahlberg yeah, just Mark one Wahlberg more time, just very so briefly? Miscast. Yeah, he's incredibly miscast, but that's why it's a good movie. I mean, he and, and, I, and Zoe and Zoe Deschanel just has this constant startled lemur look on her face for the entire movie that never, ever changes. They both do. No they have that sort of wide eyed yeah. talking sort of dreamily with every yeah. line, but they do that even before. Like, I think somebody tried to make the, uh, the, the argument that, you know, everyone was sort of in shock at the world turning against them. And that's a halfway decent point, except they were acting that way before anything started. Yeah, they, in the yeah, first place. Like the only performance, the, the only guy who sort of acquits himself in that movie is John Leguizamo. And he's the only guy out of that cast that I imagine telling Shyamalan, no, no, I'm not going to behave that way. But you could, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. But you can, te- yeah, but you, you can tell that that movie was, that was M night Shyamalan going, you know what? This is going to be my, the birds. Yeah. And, <sighs> It was for the birds, all right. <laughs> well, damn it, damn it, damn it. Split was much better. Split was yeah. Split was wonderful. Feeny, I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's it's not only a return to form for the guy; it's one of his best. And McAvoy, I mean, I like, see it. like his performance is incredible. I hate that you know. Wait, is the ending the only thing that you know? The how it sort of. Tie, I'm trying to dance around spoilers for those who may not have seen it by this point. Even though, again. Movie's nearly a year old, but um, have you had anything run beyond how it sort of ties into one of his other films? Or yeah, I know how it. Yeah, I mean, I know the last scene. What the last scene in the movie is? <sighs> yeah, yeah. The last scene of the movie is Bruce Willis appears and goes, "You know what? Damn it! I think I'm going to start trying again." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he shot that before or after Death Wish. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that supposed to come out? Uh, it was supposed to be out by Thanksgiving. It got Apparently, it's got pushed. It got pushed to April. I bet it's going to get pushed to VOD before all is said and done. I don't know. Hey, that movie looks... Hey, Joe Carnahan originally wrote the screenplay for that remake, and it. I came by a copy of it, and it's one of the best damn scripts I've ever read. It's incredible. I have the, it is, I have the script, too. Um, it's so good. And I, it, it's... It's, it's absolutely so I, from the guy who gave us the gray. And well, then you see the trailer for that movie and it just looks terrible. And I like Eli Roth. Yeah, I do too. It just looks like a tonal misfire. It looks like a cynical movie. It just, yeah, it looks real. It bad. looks like the producer, it looks like the producer said, Oh, we don't want this grim dark movie. We want the audience to be cheering for Bruce Willis. Yay. Yeah. The angry the ang- the angry old white man is shooting minorities, but he's doing it to protect other minorities. Yay. Yeah, yeah it's all very co- it's all very it's as PC as as as, un- as an un PC movie can be, which is really interesting. But the and, words and you all- should never use in the words you should never use in regards to a death wish movie. Woke. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, but who am I kidding? I'm gonna watch the damn thing. So, no, I, I will too. Oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah. I'm, I'm anticipating a train wreck. Yeah, I, I share that sentiment. <laughs> it's a, it's a tough act to follow. B, it was a good Carnahan script. Um, C, it's a tough act to follow. Uh, D. It's based on a really good book that they could have gone back to and done things a little differently, um, but they're not. So it's just it's just a really I don't know. It's just and I you know I, I as unwoke as I am, it's not it is a bad. It's just the political climate is so different now that um, it just feels weird. It's just not it's, it's just not correct. I don't know, and it's weird. I, I can't believe that I'm saying that, but. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah I mean, and, but that's something that Carnahan's script, I think, danced around, I, or not even danced around. But I mean, it, nothing about his take on that story felt inappropriate. Like it felt like a sort of a meditation on grief and vengeance. And then again, I mean, you 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 see the trailer with Bruce Willis walking around in a hoodie, just shooting people and you know making quips, and it's like ah, it's. What Even the trailer is like totally had. inconsistent, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know, but so all right, split, split. I give the thumbs up. Yeah. That was my number eight. Okay, so you both have seven on your list, so we should be about synced at this point. My number seven is the Black Coat's Daughter. I have never even heard of this film. Wait, what? I have, I I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. So you're just leaving it all to me. Okay, all right. That's cool. Uh, it's written and directed by Oz Perkins, who also did a. Uh, oh, the, oh, okay. That's that's Anthony Perkins' kid, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and it was originally called February. I think it was a movie that was made in like, I think 2015, and it didn't get a release until uh, March of this past year. And I had you know podcasts that I listened to, you know, talked it up quite a bit. I, I couldn't wait to see it, and it finally comes out. And honestly, my you know we were talking about expectations with it my expectations were pretty much sky high for this movie because it just, I loved the trailer. I loved everything that I had heard about it. It seemed like it was going to be a movie made for me. And as a result, the movie was kind of set up for failure, except I really, really loved it. Like my God, the, the, there is something about the tone of the movie that just sort of seeps into your bones as you're watching it. It's, you feel (laughs) cold while watching it. You feel like just this sort of, dread and impending doom while you're watching it. And, you know, it's a really good story. It's very simply told, uh, very, very well acted. And essentially, I I don't want to give too much away, but essentially it follows two different storylines that converge at a certain point. And if I have any issue with the movie, it's that the way in which those two stories sort of collide takes a little bit of a leap okay. from audiences to sort of, uh, I can't say anymore without ruining something. And I don't want to do that if you haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, no, no, because I, I do want to see this. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, so this thing means that thing. And okay, all right, and fine. But uh, it's, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to run any of it for you. It's just, it's, it's so damn good. And I, yeah, that's easily why it made my top 10. It's just, it's one of those movies. It's one of those very special movies that 
really sticks with you after you've seen it. Uh, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it for days after I saw it. And it's one of those movies that, you know, I, you, you watch it and you can't help but kind of throw the occasional glance over your shoulder. You feel unnerved by it. And that's rare these days. I gotta I see it. It looks good too. I, I do know what movie it is with the, with uh, Emma, Emma Watson, right? Uh, Emma Roberts and uh, James yeah, Remar right. is in it. Lauren Holly is in it. Um, uh, the lead actress, um, it's Lucy Boynton, I think. But you know, every everybody is really, really likable in it. But there's just, like I said, the the entire movie just has this atmosphere of dread, and uh, it, it it really sort of like sinks its claws in and stays with you. And I that's what I love in horror movies most, I think. And that seems to be the hardest thing to pull off. You know, you were talking about it being uh, essentially jump scare the movie, and it should have attempted some of the stuff that the black Hood's daughter did, you know, with its character. I think it should have attempted to be more than just a jump scare engine. And it's so nice to see a movie like the black Hood's daughter that can really sort of delve into psychological horror in a way, but also again, just sort of leave you with that cold clammy feeling that horror movies don't seem to, you know, really try or reach for anymore. Yeah. That sustained sort of, or that mounting, dread yeah yeah and it, it, it can only be because you know it's probably difficult to do it's probably very hard to do and to do well i mean why not just have a cat jump out of nowhere why not just have somebody <laughs> you know leap out from a hallway and say boo but hey you know, you know it works for andy muschietti there's people on twitter that are hey this guy is <laughs> this guy is the next master of horror so you know what, what i the would hell do, what I, do we know I'm not knocking him, but honestly, between the two, I'll take Oz Perkins, especially after, uh, God, the title always, you know, I love the movie. I saw it once, but, uh, was it, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. It was the Netflix. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. It, it's definitely much more, I'm being kind a little bit by saying it's deliberately paced. I think somebody else might say it's dreadfully slow, but if you dig what he's doing in that movie, then I, I think you'll really appreciate it. Like he really sort of just, he just stays with the characters and lets the camera sit and he doesn't rush anything. And I, because if he did, I mean, the stories definitely with, I'm the pretty thing, arguably with the black coat's daughter, but in both cases, you know, the stories are, and I'm not knocking them for saying this, but the stories are relatively slight. And yep. yet that allows him to sort of milk every ounce of dread out of, you know, the stories that are being told. And, uh, I don't know. He's, he's, He's a really interesting storyteller, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Okay. Tap dancing away now. Okay. Now, that was my number seven. You guys said you have seven on your list. So what are your number sevens? My number seven. Go ahead, boy. I was going to say, I I, I didn't number anything in any particular order. but we've already done three of them. Me neither. I'm doing it now, but I didn't. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. We've already done three of mine, so <laughs> just skip over me and come come back when we get to four. All right. Well, here, here, here we go. I'm going to go with a with a piece of schlock that um, I loved, and that is Resident Evil: The Final Chapter. I, I love that you have that on your list. I love that franchise. I think it's Same. it's gotten better with with each each passing installment. I think that the Even peak five? was the oh, that's my favorite. I would <sighs> say that. I think that's Paul Anderson's masterpiece. I think that the franchise 
was never going to be that good again, and this one isn't, in my opinion, as good as that one. But I think I love that there are still movies like this being made and released to the theater. The, those sort of low-budget, by Hollywood uh, standards, action movies that just, you know, they're... they're 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 economical, but they but they still kind of they have a lot of action. They have a lot of you know nonsense, but in a fun way. And um, I I just thought that the franchise, though it had a ton of <laughs> inconsistencies with films of the past, that really did bother me. Yeah. Um, I I did really enjoy it, and I, I did read the novelization later. And, and uh, Tim Wagoner, who uh, I've met a few times, uh, he uh, he did a great job. Patching all those holes like a workman. I mean, holy shit! Really? Um, oh my god, dude, you should read it. It's it's really good. I love his writing like, anyway. I back when he was with Leisure and he was doing like, you know, Pandora Drive and Like Death and stuff like that. I mean, he was one of the best, yeah, surreal horror authors out there. And it's kind of you know, as with, I don't know, as with so many authors that sort of faded away when Leisure went away. I mean, it just kind of bums me out that. I don't know. I don't yeah. see that much from him anymore. It's because you can't. And, and you know what's really? Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's because you know you can't go into a store anymore and and get the leisure shelf. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like a lot of the a lot of authors they just they're still doing stuff. It's just really hard to keep up with their stuff. I'm just being able to go yeah. into my local Walden Books and pick up the newest Tim Wagner, or the newest Gary Braunbeck, or the newest Brian Keene. You know, and yeah. hell, I miss going into my local Walden Books. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, but yeah, that's that's really good. If, if you could probably snag it for pretty cheap now, but if you're a fan of the series um, and you you want kind of an explanation for like what happened with the Washington D.C. cliffhanger at the end of the last movie, uh, this this book has like a whole uh, action scene that that wasn't in obviously in the movie. Um, you know, there's a bunch of explanations like. You know why is it uh, the the uh, other doctor's daughter that is the ground zero for the virus? When in the second movie we saw that it was this other doctor's daughter, and so like there's there's all these like sort of patchwork chapters that sort of really go out of their way to kind of explain all of the inconsistencies that Paul W S Anderson couldn't be bothered to address. But I kind of <laughs> just love that he couldn't be bothered to address it either. Like, I just kind of love that. He's like, you know what? I, I, I do my own thing and I impregnate Milijovich. So problem loser. And, uh, and Andy, yeah, and do you know who, and do you know who else really, really loves the resident evil movies? Who? The Chinese. Mm. Because these, the last, this last movie, I think I read that it opened its opening weekend in China was about a hundred million dollars. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, made... it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. The resident evil movies, I think they make more money than the star Wars and guardians of the galaxy movies in, in so China. Happy. Yep. I, um, Feeney, I got to ask that, you, that, how happy why, were you? That, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna say, like, that's why they put out resident evil, the final chapter. And then, like less than a month later, it's like, "Well, we're already working on a reboot because <laughs> we need, we want more of that China money." Yeah, uh, the final chapter outgrossed Rogue One and The Force Awakens in China. Wow, <laughs> which is amazing. Okay, so Feeney, how happy kind of were you when fact. Resident Evil and Underworld came out within a month of each other last year oh, or earlier I, this year? I, I, I would move right on to my number six movie of the year, <laughs> Underworld: Blood Wars. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Which, Might as well let him go. Which um, <laughs> the, 
the same thing. I, I, I was so happy to be able to go see an Underworld movie in the theater again. And I went and saw it twice. The first time in the middle of a blizzard, I left work and they were like, oh, the weather's going to be real bad. You know, everybody should go home. And I was like, go home. There's a new Underworld movie playing at 145. That's where I'm going. Um, I loved it. I loved that it um, I loved that it sort of tried to go back to the first movie and kind of have like bring the kind of vampire clans and their politics into it, which is what I really liked about the first movie that watching that back in the day and getting a sense of like, you know, these writers really thought this through. They all of this goofy sort of mythology has has a history to it and a reason behind it. And I, I there's something about that that I really respect. It wasn't based on an existing property. It wasn't, you know, an adaptation of a comic book or an old show or movie. So it was like this kind of new fantasy mythology that kind of just kind of snuck out there Um and it really endeared me to that movie and the second movie. And so I thought the fourth movie, uh, Awakening, for those that are can't keep keep count, um, I thought it, it got away from that a little bit. I, I actually really like that movie because it's like a 75-minute movie of Kate Beckinsale killing werewolves. So that in and Which of itself is, is not a bad thing. Yeah, it's totally fine. Um, but I like that they kind of went back to the sort of more plot driven movies or the more, the more world building movies. Um, I wish it was longer. I think that whatever reason Sony mandates that those movies have to be like 85 minutes now. I don't understand that. Except for the first one, weirdly enough, like the first yeah. one is like two hours, two hours and 15 minutes, something like that. Yeah. The extent cut is like, yeah, two hours and 13 minutes. Um, and I love it. And I, I, yeah, so like I, I, and Anna Forrester, who who directed the new one, and and I thought she did a a fantastic job. Um, You know, she had alluded to the fact that there was a lot more kind of character stuff that was cut out um, prior to the movie getting released. And, you know, it it kind of bums me out that I think the era of DVD as it is, I think, you know, a lot of studios aren't bothering with extended editions and stuff anymore, which is a real shame because – I that's the type of franchise that like I you know sometimes when I go to sleep at night I fantasize about a nice box set with like extended cuts <laughs> of all the shows. Um but no I, right, I really, who, who who else out there thought he was going to say I fantasize about Kate Beckinsale <laughs> well every other night um, I'm just glad you didn't say that actually well look I thought this was a PG show I mean I oh mean, God no no sir no. Um, well, I'm going to stop myself because I'm not quite drunk enough to, to <laughs> continue that thought. But um, yeah, and I, I just it's it's a franchise like Resident Evil that I'm I I loved in 2017 being able to go into a theater and 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 plunk down to see those movies. And I know that we're going to get Underworld on TV now. I still hope they they make more movies because I you know in this age of like where everything has to be a Hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollar extravaganza. I like my little, you know, twenty million dollar um, action, small range action franchises. Which action are so rare these days. It seems they're rare. Yeah, I miss yeah, those. So, so you know, I mean, for anybody that doesn't know me, do I really think these are like the best films of the year? No, but I, like I said, I mean, I literally watched Blood Wars four times this year, uh, and I think I watched. Resident Evil, the final chapter, either three or four times this year, too. So, fuck off. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it, too. I, I've enjoyed all of them. I, I'm happy every time they come out. I, 
I feel like there should almost be a, only a two-year wait in between installments rather than three or four years. That's the only thing that really bugs me about the franchise. And with this newest one, I I don't know, man. They're, they're, the last two installments haven't felt fully satisfying to me because there's this sort of anxiety I have that with each installment we get, I feel like it's going to be Kate Beckinsale's last yeah, and then each installment doesn't fully pay off the Celine character <laughs> in the way that she should be. So every time we yeah. get to the ending of a movie and it doesn't bring her story to like, I don't need to see her die. I just yeah. need a satisfying payoff for the what is it now five movies we've had building up to this point, and I, I'm still not getting that. I don't know what's going on. Does she keep? Is she like the modern day Christopher Lee who keeps coming back out of some weird loyalty to? Her hammer, as it were, yeah, or in I, this I case, Lynn Wiseman, or, you know, because at some point she's going to say no. And is she going to do that before we get an ending for that character? I hope not, but. I, I suspect that they'll probably do that with the show. I mean, I don't know where the show is going to end up, and I don't know if it's going to be like a cable thing or, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I read that she is like oddly, like, protective of that franchise. Like, I think, and what I, and if I'm reading between the lines, what I'm thinking is like, you know, okay, in 2006, mm, I maybe thought uh, I'd be on a different trajectory. So you go ahead and make your <laughs> Underworld prequel. Um, oh, okay, uh, let's do another Underworld movie. So, um, I mean, uh, you know, and uh, hey, whatever. I mean, like I always think of, um, you know, there was a great interview with. Toby Maguire on Howard Stern uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was, I think it was right before Spider-Man three came out and Howard was asking Toby about doing more Spider-Man movies. And, and Toby was like, well, you know, this will be the third one. And I kind of want to do this other stuff. And, and Howard just goes, no, no, no let, let me stop you right there. All right. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to listen to me. You're going to make nine more Spider-Man movies, okay? Because nobody cares about all this other crap you're doing, okay? Yeah, you want to be an actor, you go go do an actor. And then and then you come back and you make another Spider-Man movie, okay? That, that's that's all anybody cares about. And, you know, it's, it's, to a point, it's true. And I mean, like, I, I think, and I also think, um, to sow the seeds for a later conversation, I also think back to a quote I read of uh, Kyle MacLachlan years and years ago, like this is probably 20 years, uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, where they asked him, um, you know, hey, are you are you frustrated that you know you're you're probably always going to be known as Dale Cooper? You know, no matter what you do. And I think this was like when he was on Sex in the City was the time time when this interview happened. And he said, you know, no, not at all. It's 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 I'm it's as an actor, the greatest thing that can happen to you is to be remembered for something. And I think that you know, I think I think if you make peace with that, and you're 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 kind of you know, it's like why wouldn't you want to be Celine? Celine's fucking awesome. It's like you know, I don't know. It's like I, I think that actors need to kind of either make peace with that or or not. And I think she's made peace with that. So I, I'm I'm sure we'll see her again, be it on TV or uh, in another movie. I hope for another movie, but I'm still pissed off about what they did to Michael. Spoiler alert for a movie that, again, is nearly a year old. But uh, that's the one thing that sort of left uh, left a bad taste in my mouth is, as a fan of that franchise. I was like, really? that that's it? That's that's yeah. how you're going to handle that character? That's, yeah, I liked it. I, I didn't mind that ending, but I think the way – if you were to sit down and watch one, two, four, and then five, just not counting the prequel because it's – you know. But um, 
I think that the, the problem is that it's it's jarring because it's like you you end the second movie with them going off and then the third movie, the fourth movie opens with a really weird sort of like, oh, no, it's this purge where the humans are exterminating the lichens. And that in and of itself, I think, was would be a cool movie. Like, sure. like I don't you know, that would have been an, a better movie than, you know, just being the first 10 minutes and then, oh, 10 years later. Um but I think, yeah, I think the problem is that you have that fourth movie, which kind of dances around the issue of Michael in a really kind of clumsy, we can't get Scott Speedman for some goddamn reason kind of a way. What the um, hell is he doing that he can't come back and play Lycan again? Yeah, I know. I don't know if it's like a weird, you know, who knows? I don't know if it's behind the scenes drama or whatever, but um, so I was okay with five. I was okay with them going, okay, you know what? Here's the end of his story. I thought it was fine to take everything away from Celine as it were um, and have her still kind of like persevere in the end. But yeah, I think that the problem is that it's just a really weird narrative when you watch all the movies together because he just leaves. Well, he, they go off together and then that's it. And then he's missing and then dead. And I think it's just a really odd trajectory. Yeah. Anyway, I agree. No, but I, at the same time though, I mean, that movie is a blast. I mean, all of them are. So when they inevitably make a part six, I'll be there. I can't wait. <laughs> Boy, you did not have a seven. Is that right? No, I don't have a seven. Or a six? Are we on I six I think it's time now? for your number. We're on six. That was your six. Okay. All right. Six for me was a movie that I just watched last night. Uh, Creep 2. What the fuck is Creep 2? It's the sequel to Creep. What the hell is Creep? Are you kidding me right now? No. Creep, the, the found footage movie with uh, Mark Duplass. Oh, that's, oh, that's why I haven't seen it. <gasps> it's really... How? how why, why? Why would you not want to see that? You, you lost me at found footage. But it's not... It's... Uh, not found <laughs> footage. It's more faux documentary. It's not It's not what you're thinking when you hear okay. found footage. Dick's a- Six of one, half dozen of the other. <laughs> did, you, did you see Creep, boy? It's Creep. it's not a slasher movie. It's just a movie where a guy in a mask kills people. It's different. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's I, it is I, absolutely. Is, I, I've I've heard Creep is really good, but I've never watched it, so I haven't oh. seen Creep Two either. Creep is great. Creep Two is even somehow superior to the first. I mean, it's. God, I don't even know where to start if you haven't even seen the first movie. Um, I, I, <sighs> <laughs> it, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying a thing about it. Listeners out there, if you've seen the first movie and you liked it, trust me when I say the sequel is even better. If you haven't seen it, go to Netflix or, or buy the damn things. But it, both movies are excellent. Like, just really, really great dark comedies mixed with some truly disturbing horror in brief bursts. But uh, great performances, and I just the second one is so damn good. Um, just the God, I can't talk about it if you haven't seen. Okay, you can talk a little bit about it. All right. Essentially, the first movie was about a uh, sort of a videographer slash, I believe, documentary filmmaker who is offered a certain amount of money to film a gentleman who's paying him for the day. And uh, this character is played by Mark Duplass, who 
we're told at the very beginning he has a type of terminal cancer and he wants to essentially capture himself on film in order to, you know, kind of preserve himself for his child. And there is a joke made about the Michael Keaton movie, my life early on, um, <laughs> which is great. And then the thing is over the course of the day, his demands become stranger and stranger and his that demeanor pretty good. starts to take a very dark turn. And you realize that uh, he might be truly dangerous or he might just be odd and you're not certain you're not quite certain as to what his true intentions are until the very final scene of the movie. The first film has a couple of really, really great jump scares, not cheap jump scares, but jump scares that will send you out of your damn skin. And uh, it is more of, you know, one of those movies we were just talking about movies that sort of trade more in dread than anything else. Whereas the sequel is kind of, more of a comedy and a very sly comedy at that, where you find the character in a different place in his life. He is, uh, he's about to turn 40. He's going through a midlife crisis. And what does that do to somebody like him? And, uh, the relationship between he and the lead character in that second film is just priceless and wonderful and strange and oddly romantic. Um, it's, it's a marvelous movie. And I pray that there's a third movie, coming at some point to sort of round out that character's tale. But yeah, I, I loved it. All right. I, I, that's You've sold me. I'm going to check that out. It's good stuff. All right. So I think we did our sixes. Foy, we're, we're still not caught up with you, I'm guessing. Uh, we're getting there. You know what? I'm, I'm going to throw one out there that actually I didn't have written <laughs> down. It's not, I'm, I'm going to make it brief because it's not quite a horror movie, but it's about the making of a horror movie. It's oh, called The Creep Behind the Camera. Huh? Oh, yes, I, I was, I was <laughs> certain that's what you were going to say. I just picked that movie up on Blu-ray from the Synapse table at a local horror convention, but I haven't seen it yet, but you're yeah. telling me I, uh, I made a good choice. It, 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 it's got its issues. It, it's too long. It could have used some tightening up. It, there's, there's some scenes where the acting is not as good as it could be, but it's about the, uh, the making of The Creeping Terror. And which is considered one of the worst movies ever made. It's the the nineteen sixties uh, black and white horror movie about what you could basically say is a killer man eating carpet from outer space. <laughs> it comes down and sucks people in, and it has no dialogue in the movie. The whole thing had to be do, done but with narration because the idiot, you know, like just complete incompetence behind the camera. This guy sold these people on the fact that he, I mean, this guy was clearly mentally ill. He was uh, a con man. I mean, the, the, the movie goes in some really dark territory. It's like, oh, it's not like Ed Wood, where it's like, oh, it's all wacky and zany. It's like, oh, it goes wacky and zany about the making of this movie that he was billing is going to be like this mega super, like it's going to make you tons of money. It's going to be one of the greatest horror movies ever. And then it ends up being this cheap piece of garbage, which is you know an, an entertaining piece of garbage, but still a cheap piece of garbage. And then his whole life just is just... I mean, he, he, he ends up doing child porn at one point. It's like, Jesus, this thing's so dark. Good Lord. Yikes. Yes. And, and the Blu-ray that they put out actually comes with like a 2K uh, blue, uh, Blu-ray uh, version of the actual Creeping Terror to go along with the movie. Which I've never seen. Which should I watch first, the making of or the movie itself? 
Well, the movie itself is horrible. It's it, it's not quite Stone Man bad, but it's uh, it it's pretty damn bad. I always I always say the best version of the Creeping Terror is the Mystery Science Theater three thousand version. <laughs> Because I mean, it's literally the, the original movie is about a spaceship that crashes and out and uh, it unleashes this crawling carpet thing that has to like pull people into its opening to eat them, and they're not always cooperating. Is there at least some charm to it? Because yeah. I got to say, I mean, I'd always heard how bad uh, oh, Monos the Hands yeah, of Fate was, and yeah. yet there's something about that movie that, damn it, it's just it really? is it's kind of charming. I, I find Manos the Hands of Fate to be completely unwatchable unless there's a guy with two robot puppets at the bottom of the screen. Okay, I started Manos uh, the, and the I was able to finish it. That's something I can't say about the Stone Men. Well, that that just tells me you got your priorities out of whack, Bucko. That's fair. Let me tell you something because the the Stone Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. You only went, you only made it ten minutes. Good God, you didn't even wet your feet with the Stone Man. You didn't even get to the good stuff. <laughs> the good stuff. How? Where? Oh, yeah. In that movie? Yeah, yeah. There's some. I, I managed to make a four-minute montage to put on YouTube of that movie. In fact, I made a second montage where all I did was I cut out all of the uh, the narration scenes where the guy who serves as narrator, who also like directed and co-wrote the movie, uh, just basically comes in and has to tell you the story because much like the uh, the Creeping Terror, it feels like they didn't actually shoot the whole film. I swear the, the thing weird, about the Stone Man that stunned me the most was you telling me that it wasn't a shot on video movie from the mid-80s, but it was actually made in the early aughts. That was mind-blowing to me. It might have actually been made in the late 90s. It just didn't get released for several years because it was so good. They just were afraid to put it out there. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would recommend if you want to see an interesting movie about the behind-the-scenes making of a really bad movie, uh, check out The Creep Behind the Camera. Right. Which brings which brings us to number five. Feeny, what do you got? Oh. Wait, you gotta have a number Bitter. five. <laughs> I, um, I'm going back to my letterbox. You go first. Oh, God. All right, my number five. The Devil's Candy by Sean Byrne. Ooh. Oh, this ought to be fun. <laughs> Get him, Feeny. Get him. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Feeny, I... are you going to attack me? I was no fan. I was not a fan at all. Really? I, I don't. I don't know what that movie was trying to do. I can't believe that it was the little. Uh, what the hell was the the loved ones? The loved ones? Yes. I, I love believe, that movie. I can't I believe too. it was the same director. I was. I. It's just. It was. It stunned me how. To me, the drop in quality between the two films was so. Severe. I mean, The Loved Ones is definitely a far better movie, but I adored The Devil's Candy, too. I, My God, I thought it was so intense, and I, I love the characters. I, I love the relationship between the father and his daughter. I, I, I just – I really dug the performances. They I, were good. They were good. I, I, I agree. Um, I just thought the movie – I within 10 minutes, I went, I know where this is going, and I was not surprised or – scared or tense or anything at any point and in, in, in fact the guy uh, i'm blanking because this actually i did watch when it was right when it came out um who was the the guy that was the the killer um, uh pruitt taylor vince yeah pruitt taylor vince i would uh, like to imagine that he just sort of waltzed in from identity and was playing the same character <laughs> yeah i i he's an actor that i i usually really love uh when he when he plays those types of roles but he didn't do anything for me in this one i i, I did not i didn't like him so much 
I, I just I, I I hate to say this because I do like him, but I wonder if it's just because he's he's kind of settled into a Taylor Vince shtick in a way. Yeah, it's I, I will. Yeah, okay. If I if I do have a knock, I guess that's a good point. When you see him, I mean, he's not really bringing anything new to that performance. Um, although, my God, his character is still you know still on hand for some truly disturbing stuff in that movie. I mean, the 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 playground sequence, how it plays out, it just sort of was like ice water in the veins to me. And then the ending. Man, the ending and the home invasion thing and that that fight and the certainty that I had as a viewer that it was all going to go very, very wrong. I uh, I don't know, man. It, it had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. I wish I cared a fraction as much as you did because I think that's the difference is that I, I – by that point, especially, I had checked out. So to me, it was just like, oh, God. I don't, and I'm, thank God this movie's 78 minutes long or however long it was. <laughs> um because yeah, it's just now, now that that one gets a hard pass for me. Fair enough. Foy, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Okay, on to um, Feeny's number five. My, I don't know if this is number five. I think I'm running out of movies here. Before an hour I, and fifteen minutes, we're halfway through. I've got like <laughs> I've got like three things. Halfway. I've got like three <laughs> things I want to talk about. Um, so let me let me skip. Uh, Foy, you throw another one out. Uh, we got we got to get to number four. So it, it back to you, James. Wait, what? Well, he just. All right, all right, all right, all right. This isn't necessarily a um, a number five, okay? Um, but especially because I, I I'm a little because I already we already talked about this, Happy Death this Day. Is, this is the either the worst top ten show ever. No, this is the or best. It's the best. I can't tell talk, which. I'm going to talk. Wait, 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 Jinx, you, you don't realize what's going to happen here. The people who are going to hear this thing now, they're going to be so intrigued by the Stone Man. You're going to have to watch the rest of it now and do a show because they're going to be asking. We want to know. Yeah, That's boy, true. I right, want uh, you to know, I am leaving Southern Ohio again to go back to Florida, and I'm leaving that damn disc here. I can uh, mail you another one. I'll, I will find you. No. I'll hide. Not I'll tell it. you I finally got that Korean Golden Bat movie that you wanted to see and be like, oh, I need, to, I need to know where to send it. Oh, you bastard. Did you actually find it? No. Oh. But when I do, I'll just – it'll be like the time I sent – You Feeny send the, me uh, the more Cannon Golden Bat, document. I'll watch the Stone Man. I promise. Hey, wait, hang on. Like I, got, talk- I, I got a number five. I have a legit. Right. I have a legit number five, and I know we've all seen it. Um, I really like Gerald's game. That's in yeah, my that honorable good. mentions. Was- I don't know that that's like you know. Again, I don't know how much of any of this stuff is like real bona fide end of the year type of stuff. But I mm-hmm. think that that was a really good, compelling adaptation of a book that I thought was not one of King's best. Um, that 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 the 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 infamous wrist scene now is probably the most oh. gruesome thing that happened in any movie this entire year. You know what's yeah. funny is is um, I think for my money, there's two scenes in that movie. Um, the the sort of I, I spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched Gerald's Game yet, but the the flashback with the little girl when she's a little girl. Um, and sitting on the bench with her dad, yeah. 
I think almost qualify in an in another movie yeah. that would that would easily qualify as air quotes that scene because it's really gross and it's really very rarely does my skin crawl um, watching anything anymore. But that had my hairs on 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 end. And and you're right. I mean, then you know, a few minutes later, you you come to the infamous scene. But I, I think in a lesser film, that's enough. I think that that scene is gross enough and creepy enough and icky enough to to make people be like, ugh. Um, Did you and find you it come- though even worse than that? I I mean, the scene. I mean, it, it almost feels like we know what's coming at a certain point. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Over. To me, the thing that was truly shocking was the. Uh, the scene that took place after when he's in her bedroom and they're oh, chatting yeah. about what happens and he slowly, slowly manipulates her into, mm-hmm. into knowing for certain that she is never going to talk about it. And just watching that happen is just, you know, I've never seen that in a movie before. You know, you've seen plenty of moments in movies where, you know, people are abused in that sort of way, but you know, you, I've never yeah. seen the sort of follow up where you see how much power, you know, an adult has in sort of shaping somebody's mind or, you know, manipulating somebody so that they can not even forgive, but just be terrified of ever, you know, coming out with the truth. And it just, ah, God, there's something just unbearably icky about that scene. And just, and just wait until you see the Harvey Weinstein biopic. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I, I agree with all those things, and I do think that it's a testament to, um, oh, what is his name, Mike, Mike Flanagan, um, who who I think is is a guy who has gotten. I mean, I don't think he's made a bad film yet, but I think he's he gotten progressively come up later on my list. better um, as he's as he's gone along. I think he's really a really exciting guy, and I think that's a really good film. Can so. I say? Can I be a bastard here about Gerald's game for just a second, though? Yeah. I, I love Flanagan's work. I, I I love his filmography. I agree. I think he's getting better and better and better. And uh, again, he's going to pop up again here in just a moment on my list. But Gerald's Game, I think, is perfect until the final five or six minutes. Well, And there's something <laughs> about the final five or six minutes on the page. I think that it would work. I like mm-hmm. the idea of it. I think... There's nothing – I could read that in a script and be like, that is a powerful ending. There is something about his choices with the voiceover and how he chose to stage the confrontation in the courthouse. Well, and then that very- awful, awful, oh my god, dear lord, really awful way that he had her sort of walk triumphantly up to the camera strut- and then turn yeah. on her heel and then strut away into that awful CG backdrop. I was like, Really? You spent an entire movie making a woman handcuffed to a bed compelling and doing a fantastic job of it. And then you completely drop the ball with the final five minutes. I wish you'd just cut all of that out rather than have it be what it was. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's interesting because I, I, I hate people that do this normally, but I, I hate the, the people that, that review every movie through the context of watching it with their significant other. So it's always, we loved it. or we, I fucking hate those people, but <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to pull it into this conversation for a second because I, I, I watched it with my wife um, and she is 
you know, she's a very, she doesn't need to be pandered to like, like that scene does very clearly pander to its audience because you're 100% right. It's, it's like, no, no, we got it. You know, we don't, you don't need to slap our face and go, Hey, she's going to be okay. Like we, we know, we know now we, we were smart enough. We know her journey and we know, we know what the end result is. So when it ended, my wife started laughing and I was like, whoa, what, what's up with that? And she's like, are you kidding me? She goes, that's like the worst ending to a movie I've ever seen. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that from you. And she's like, well, it's just laughable. She's like, that's a Lifetime channel thing. And even then. Oh, my and, God. It was totally Lifetime. Uh, she nailed so it. I, yeah, I mean, so I agree. I mean, it is it is very on the It's incredibly on the nose. And I think that's, that's sort of the, the biggest problem with it. But I also think. Yeah, that's the last five minutes, and I actually don't disagree with you or my wife at all. But I think the rest of the movie is so strong is. that you know I, I was okay with that. You know, I'm Team Bruce Greenwood. I love that guy. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, he's great in the movie. But did, did anybody else think that the, the perfect ending to that movie would be when she confronts the uh, the giant ten foot mongoloid necrophiliac in the courtroom, <laughs> and he just like whips out a giant book that says to serve man. <laughs> I, 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 he he kind of looked like the alien from that uh, that that, that uh, outer limit. What is it called? Uh, Canimate or something like that? Yeah, I, I just remember when I was watching, like this, this is a pretty good movie, and then that last five minutes, like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. did, I did, I hate to bash it because I did love the rest of it, and I thought the rest of it was fantastic. But yeah, it just. I don't. Yeah, know. And we're felt. talking about a filmmaker too, who's not only made great movies, but that is a guy who can stick his landings. I mean, the movies right. that he's made. I mean, they they've all had very strong finales, and yet with that one, I mean, we're talking about arguably maybe, well, not his best movie, but one of his best movies. And yet, yeah, again, the the finale is just kind of, yeah. But you should, and that was your number five. Yep. All right. What is your number four? My number four is a movie that um, I'm prepared to fight about, and it's not the one that Foy thinks it's going to be. Because um, I know a, that's going to be higher. This is a movie that has been incredibly divisive, too, though. And I think of the three of us, I am the only one to really, really like Alien Covenant. Holy shit. <laughs> it was. <laughs> what? I know... I know when I, I when I go see the Alien movies, I say to myself, "Enough with the Xenomorph crap. Let's watch robots play the flute." I that's the best. No. What? Alien Covenant. It's a, it's a, it's like eighty five percent a great movie. It's it's the aliens that I wish weren't even in the fucking thing. I, I that is very clearly well, the aliens a, that we got. I wish weren't in it either. I, oh, oh, I, I actually, I, I didn't mind the aliens. I like that they are they're sort of an extension of of David's sort of cleansing fire in this movie. His his sort of attempt to wipe out humanity that he's deemed unworthy. So I, I liked the way Ridley Scott used them in it, but they do still feel a little tacked on. Um, I we really... see the birth of the first xenomorph, and it raises his hands like, "Hey, I, I really liked it." Oh I think my I... god! Oh, this hurts. I, I'm a big. Uh, all right, what's laid on me? 
What's so offensive about Alien Covenant? Oh, golly, deep breath. Um, it doesn't seem to break any new ground, even though it attempts to sort of rewrite all the Alien mythology. It completely rewrites a lot of the sequels out of existence, and I know a lot of those aren't that great to begin with, but still, I mean, come on, we can respect <laughs> what came before. Uh, it completely does a disservice to a character that I love from the previous movie after setting up an arc for her character that we thought would be that... paid off over the course of two or three movies, and instead, she is completely crassly killed off screen. Uh, it takes a character that I thought was fascinating in the previous movie, makes him completely sort of just, I hate to say it, a dull fucking robot villain, even worse than Ash in the first Alien, who at least had a little personality. They gave Fassbender nothing to do in that movie. And then we're talking about Xenomorphs. Forget the fact that the birth of that thing was fucking even more laughable than the ending to Gerald's game, which we just talked about. But then, but then, you have Ridley Scott, a master filmmaker, a guy who understands the way to make the xenomorphs creepy is to keep them receded into the shadow, to have them lurking around, skittering around. And instead, in this one, he has really, really dodgy CG. Not practical effects, but CG having the xenomorphs running around a spaceship like they're fucking monkeys on crack. I hated this movie. It is the first alien movie. I want, I, I want listeners to really pay attention to what I'm about to say because I'm going to restate it and I want them to consider the implications of this. This is... The first alien movie that I truly hated. Well, you sound that sounds like me walking out of the new Star Wars movie. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I I enjoyed Star Wars. I did. I I have plenty of issues with it to keep me from absolutely loving it. But I enjoyed enough of it, you know, uh, to the degree that I can't no, say no, that Fe- I hated Feeny, it. No, Feeny, you did. You did it wrong, Feeney. You should have said, that's how I felt coming out of that awful Justice League movie. Fuck you, boy! (laughs) I didn't love Justice League, but it was fun. I didn't love Justice League at all, but holy fuck, it was a, it made me walk – when I walked out of Star Wars, I went, eh, it was a little too hard on Justice League. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Justice League was the Saturday morning cartoon of a movie I wanted out of it. I, I have no qualms with it. Ah, I you know it's funny. I'm I'm going back to Alien because, um, you know it's it's interesting because I can't even disagree with some of the stuff you've said. Um, it's just a question of does the direction that the that the series goes in uh, does does David's story work for you? And for me, it, it did. I thought it was really kind of right from the opening scene. It, I went, oh, okay. I think I think I know where we're going, and it had me. You know, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I don't, I don't like, I wish that, you know, when Prometheus finished, um, if you remember all the stories initially were, were David, uh, we're going to be David and, and, uh, Shaw going off and fantastic. And, um, and Ridley Scott saying, Oh, we're not going to do the, the xenomorphs at all. Um, and, and at that time I was like, good, you know, good. I, I, there's, there's not a lot more to do with the xenomorphs. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, so when we got to this and it was now called alien covenant, I wish it was just covenant. Um, you know, Prometheus um, covenant. No, just covenant, just covenant. Or even if we could go back a step and just call it alien Prometheus, like I just something, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? You can all take solace in one thing: Disney now owns the aliens, so I'm sure the best is yet to come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I, oh God! <sighs> all right, um, yeah, but no, I don't know. I, I, it, you know what? 
it tickled my fancy as a as a nihilistic kind of anti-humanity sort of a movie um and i liked it fair enough i wanted to punch ridley scott and i love him oh sir ridley I would have slapped him. Go see all the money in the world. It'll make you feel better. I did, and I liked it quite a bit. That's the Ridley I liked. Well, then stop threatening to hit him. Well, <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I walked out of Alien Covenant. I would have open palm slapped him. Uh, after all the money in the world, I would have given him a pat on the back, maybe a tip. I don't know. <laughs> he'd, have, he'd have kicked you in the nuts. He would have. He would have. Would have been glorious. Anyway, so Alien Covenant, that's that's your number four. That's my number four. All right. Boy, we should have caught up to you by now. What's your number four? All right. Uh, what the hell? I'll make this number four. Uh, here's one that I'm fairly certain is not on anyone else's list, and I don't just mean everyone on the phone. I mean just like, you know, oh, anyone shit. else's list. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I was a teenage wear skunk. What the fuck? Um, it's kind of it's 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 kind of a Zucker Brothers by way of John Waters uh, co- uh, comedy. Go on. Which is it's done like in the vein of a 1950s drive-in movie about a teenager who transforms into a a homicidal half man half skunk creature whenever he feels sexually aroused. Is it as good as Chillerama? Yikes! Uh, <laughs> I'm always. I was going to say uh, Chillerama. The best segment of that thing is the. Uh, the uh, the uh, the Frankenstein one. You got one up on me. I the Diary of Anne. Of the Diary of Anne Frankenstein. That was look. That was the only segment of Chillerama that I really really love. But yeah, it's a lot better than that. Yeah, that I know the segment you're talking about in Chillerama. And yes, this is way better than that. <laughs> but this is one. You know, this one was like I like, I, I saw the trailer and I was kind of like, what? The? I had the same reaction as Jinx. What the fuck? <laughs> and I got together. And I got together with some friends who like B movies, and we figured worst case scenario, we'll end up seeing something. You know, we can fast forward, turn it off, or you know, maybe at least be like, you know, we were kind of expecting something a little more like the Lost Skeleton of Cadavera, but it has a little more of a scary movie vibe to it because it's got that, like I said, Zucker Brothers style feel to it. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's just we were laughing out loud a lot of times. I mean, it's got a lot of jokes that land with a thud, but it also has a lot of. It, I mean, they it, the, the the costume is the makeup for the the wear skunk is actually pretty good. It kind of like re- reminds you of the uh, imagine imagine the, uh, the the Michael Jackson thriller werewolf, only if instead his head was a skunk. Kind of like a pompadour with a white streak and an obvious nose that's on with a string, which they even acknowledge in the movie. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of got a Teen Wolf vibe to it as well. It's like you know, they're, they're, you know, there's a, a deputy whose running joke is that they keep making anachronistic references to things that don't exist in the early 1960s, and, and so it's like it, it will suddenly make reference to like Google, and there'll be like another a copy like what 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 are you talking about? And and they never play off the fact that there's no real reason why they should know this. Well, they actually they kind of do, but it's just it's just a fun little movie. It's it's one of those like I wouldn't want to oversell it. There's also like a, a variety of like fake '50s pop songs all throughout the film. There's one inside of a um, inside of a like a, a soda shop that's absolutely just priceless. So it, and it, yeah, it's on VOD. Yeah, you can get the DVD direct from the uh, the, the the filmmakers. If you like that kind of movie, that kind of like Lost Skeleton, the Cadaver, if you like these, because they make a lot of these nowadays, and most of them are not good. Most of them are just like, just they'll talk you to death, they'll bore you, 
one that I also reviewed earlier this year called Inhumanwitch, which was about a guy who got turned into a giant blob-like thing of meat that eats people. It had its moments, but it was like, yeah. like you, you realize when you watch something like that that how you know I was a teenage wear skunk is actually it, it's inspired. Put it that way. All right, you sold me. I think I'll check it out. No, I didn't. You're lying. I am. I am lying. Look, we're talking about we're, we're talking about a movie where you know a teenage wear skunk blasts debilitating clouds of putrid stink out of his ass upon sexual arousal. All right, I'm not checking it out. Any <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I, I realize I'm, but you know what? It's one of those movies where, again, it's like, if you sit there and say, hey, you should check this movie out, and you can see people going like, no, that's not happening. But I guarantee you, if they did, they'd be like, hey, that was actually kind of entertaining. All right. Okay. I may, I may check it out at some point. I'm 50 50. There's no, a better won't. chance. There is a better chance I will watch that than you know what. You, uh, you, you know what? If you're listening to this show right now, leave a comment demanding Jinx finish watching the stone. <laughs> <talk about. laughs> tweet, tweet at him. Man up, bitch. Hashtag stone man. <laughs> don't do that. I don't want to have to contend with that on Twitter. All right. Is, is it on to me? Is it on to my number four? Sure. All right. I usually hate it when I see top 10 lists that do this. And I apologize for doing this to listeners and to you guys. I, but honestly, I was racking my brain at a certain point to try and fill my top 10 list with movies that I genuinely loved. And one of the best movies I saw last year was a flick that was on the festival circuit. And this was like back in, I think maybe March or April, something like that. And it still hasn't hit Blu-ray, but damn it, if I don't want to see it again. And I, 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 I adore the work of the filmmakers, and I think this might be their best. I love the little movie called The Endless. The what? The Endless from uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, the guys who did Resolution and Spring. Oh, I love those two movies. I haven't seen this yet. It's fantastic, and it hasn't come out yet. It's it's oh, strange. Okay. Like I, and that's why I hesitated putting it on my list in the first place. And I wouldn't dare run anything, save to say like. If you liked Resolution and if you liked Spring, and I love them both, this movie might very well be their best. Like, it's much like their other movies, it's very well made, it's very well acted. It sort of delves into territory um, that they've touched on before in a really interesting way. And to me, it just further proves that these guys are like two of the most exciting voices, I think, working in genre cinema today. Like, I. I can't wait to see what they do next. I I, I, I think they're genuinely brilliant. And uh, they made three movies, and all three movies have been, like, my favorites of the year, you know, when they were released. So, uh, so yeah, I won't say too much about it because, obviously, it's not out right now, and I wouldn't dare spoil it. But, dear God, when it comes out, make certain to see it. Hello. Okay, number three. Wow, Really? There was dead silence for a second there. Well, I'll see it. Because we have... Fair enough. All right, number three. Okay, I'm going to go ahead with my number three because we've already talked about it. We can just sort of glide by it. Uh, Get Out was my number three. Ah, yes. Get Out, the movie so woke insomnia has accused it of cultural appropriation. (laughs) You're breaking up. I would like to think that Skype 
Skype has no time for your snark when it comes to this movie, sir. <laughs> I said, get out the movie. So the movie. <laughs> I would have even. Now there you go. I said, get out the movie. So woke it culture. Uh, ah, fuck it. Now I've oh, it. You know what? Edit it out. I'm keeping all. Edit this. it all out. <laughs> keeping all it all. All right, fine then. Get out the movie. So woke insomnia has co- accused it of cultural appropriation. You proud of yourself? Dead. <laughs> Dead silence. Deafening. <laughs> Deafening silence. <laughs> even the crickets. Even the crickets refuse to chirp. <laughs> so my my number three is houses that October built two. Really? No, Damn it! I didn't really? see this one. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, oh wait. I enjoyed <laughs> the first one. <clears throat> and you think never. I'm the only one who's a prick? I would, <laughs> I would never watch it. <laughs> well, hell. Oh, um, wait, my number three. My number three is Cult of Chucky. Really? Yes. Um, one of my favorite. <sighs> what? Man. I love that franchise. I adore that franchise. I'm the guy who will defend Seed of Chucky any day of the week. I, so what's your problem? I love one. I, I I think two is almost even better. I think three is kind of an underloved gem. Bride is fantastic. I adore Seed. And damn it, Curse was just fantastic. There was something about Cult that just didn't work for me. It's the first movie in the franchise that I walked away from just kind of going like, Eh? Well, you sound like me coming out of the new Star Wars. That's me. That's hurtful. Um, no, I I uh, I loved it. I think it's great. I think it might be one of my favorite entries in the series. What? Probably. No, I think probably behind one and two for me. Um, I love the. I love that it goes full De Palma uh, a few times. Um, I thought that the the sort of way that they managed to do the quote cult of Chucky, I thought was exactly what I would want in a, in a seventh entry in a franchise. It's something a little different, but while giving me what I came there for. Um, so I think it was, for me, it was the best of those, both of those worlds. Um, I like the fan service cause it's, it's not too much fan service, but I like that it continues to be, slavish to its own mythology um some may argue to a fault but i i love seeing all the the old actors back in uh you know even for if it's little roles um because i like that mancini is now kind of turned somebody else tweeted this it wasn't me but they said don mancini is making the chucky franchise into horrors fast and furious oh and my I, god totally and yeah it, it kind of makes sense that way um but no, I, I liked it a lot. I thought the atmosphere was really great. I love that that sterile white mental institution setting. Um, and like I said, I mean, the, when when you go full De Palma in a movie, you're probably going to win me over. Um, so you know, I, I just when, when he throws the, the split screen in there, it was like, okay, I'm having a really good time with this. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I really really loved it. I thought it was as inspired of a sequel as a sequel could be especially when you're talking about a franchise that has been in continuity since 1988 or 87 and i i gotta say i adore that about it i i love that he sort of resisted what i'm sure has been pressure to reboot he continues making sequels there 
I don't know. There was just something about it, man. Like I, it was stylish and I, I love the performances and I even kind of like the basic story and where it went with the idea of what the cult was. Like that's such a weird idea. It's it is a, a very weird idea. Yeah. And it's so very loopy, but I, I dig that, but there was just, it, it was lacking. It wasn't, you know, looking back to previous entries, we, we have movies that were scary mm-hmm. and movies that were fun. And but they seemed to do pretty much one or the other thing. They had to choose what they were going to be. And with this one, it felt like it was neither fish nor fowl. Like it, you know, it wasn't. It was never very scary or disturbing or thrilling. And it was never quite funny enough to be, you know, one of the loopy comedy versions of what that franchise can be. And as a result, you know, I was just kind of like, I, I wanted to love it so much. But I well, just... I'm I'm glad that Mancini moved away from the loopy comedy. I mean, I and I, you know what? I, but I want to preface that by saying I love Seed of Chucky. It's great. Um, I think it's very underrated. I, but I think that that's as far as that friend. I think that's as far as Chucky could go in that direction without being just without breaking it. Sure. I I, I think that I think he was right to sort of do the soft reboot with, with curse of Chucky and kind of big, okay, the continuity is still here, but we're going to sort of make a kind of a Gothic haunted house movie. Um, which was excellent. I, yeah. And, and I, that's the other thing that I kind of like about it is every, every movie, especially after, after the original three, I think every movie kind of has, you know, you've got the road trip love story. You've got the Jesus. I don't even know what you could call seed of Chucky. It, it's so hard. I mean, a Hollywood satire meta, the meta, the meta movie in the series. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the Gothic haunted house story and then you've got kind of the, the giallo kind of Chucky where you're, you're watching it and you're kind of like, all right, I think I know who the killer is. Uh, and spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Um, yeah, it's Chucky obviously. Right. Yeah. But the, you know, then there's that kind of giallo twist where it's like, Oh, but it's more than one Chucky. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. And I like that it, it went bonkers while staying sort of not serious. Cause that's obviously that's, that's not what I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's still working. It's still functioning uh, in, with its own internal logic and sort of, you know, its own rules. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I loved it. I, I watched wish, it a few times. I really got a charge out of it. I wish I had. I've only seen it once. I'm going to give it another shot just because I love that franchise too much to give up on it. But uh, I don't know. I With the Insane Asylum sort of setting and the fact that you have a, a lead character whose sanity is in question by the other characters and with the weird conceit of what the cult is, it felt like there were so many opportunities to have fun with that premise. And instead, it just it feels like the least amount of work was done to exploit that setting well, and those ideas. And as a result, I just kind of, you know, I, I just didn't care that much until I will say one thing. No, I won't because it'll spoil something for a movie. This no, you can spoil. I mean, it, it's, it's fine. Okay. I already I can, get, listeners I out there, if you haven't seen cult of Chucky, skip ahead 20 seconds. When Fiona Dorff, when her Nika character, who I love, uh, when she is finally possessed by Chucky and she gets to do a riff yeah. on her dad's, you know, iconic character. And she yeah. doesn't do a complete sort of, uh, 
it's not an homage really. It doesn't feel like she's copying him. Like she's doing her own thing and yet it's still undeniably Chucky. Like that was just – I want to see that movie right now. I want to see her and Tiffany in another road trip movie. Like I, I, I can't wait to see where that goes because she is so damn good as that character in the two minutes we get to see of that. So you liked the last 20 seconds of the movie? Yes. See, I, you know, it's funny um, because I thought this – when I was watching it, I thought, oh, OK, we're going to a mental institution – I think I know what's going on with the character that everybody thinks is crazy. Um, But to me, I was glad that they didn't do that because I thought, I remember thinking early on, if this is a movie where we, the audience, this is part seven. If we're, we're six movies and an hour ahead of the main character, I'm going to be pissed off. So I, I was actually glad that they didn't do the, is she crazy? We don't know. You know, oh my God, what else could be happening here? And that was that, but that was just me. But I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. That's exactly what I thought I was getting. I was like, what else would you do with a mental institution movie? Um, so I was glad that that was sort of acknowledged. And then, you know, that, that's kind of swept aside pretty fast. Um, and for me, you know, like I said, like I, I was grateful for that. Uh, Foy, did you see that movie? I have not seen that one yet. Oh, Okay. God damn it. And now it's ruined. <laughs> <sighs> okay, what was that? Our number three. three? Yep. All right. So four, well, I guess four, it's time for my number. Yep. Yeah, it's my number three. Uh, I, one that's on uh, Netflix right now, if you have not seen it. It's oh, called Patchwork. Shitty. I just, I'm going to let you guys <laughs> set this one out. <laughs> I, 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 haven't, I haven't seen it. I have no idea. Patchwork. Well, well, yeah. Well, it's 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 kind of like you could almost say it's like the closest thing you'd ever get, maybe to a woke Frank Henenlotter movie. <laughs> it's about. It, it's very much in the vein of of uh, like Frankenhooker and Reanimator, because it's another mad scientist movie who murders these three women at. Uh, well, these three women end up uh, go out to uh, all end up in their one's like a really kind of bitchy, hard nosed businesswoman. One's kind of a really flighty kind of hanger on wannabe party girl. And the last girl is like, kind of doesn't seem like there's something not altogether there with her. And she's got some major self-esteem issues and they all end up at this nightclub on the same night. And when they wake up, they've all been sewn together with three brains in one body (laughs) and they don't know. And they, and they escape from this uh, doctor's office and they don't know what's going on. And the brains are constantly at war with one another over control of the body which has some great physical gags to it. I've just added to this actually, to my list. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to actually, and to even, you know, to even like, you know, completely like, you know, how do you like deal with these three minds going at it? So they do scenes where it's kind of like you see the three women as they normally are just in the room together, arguing with one another or debating or working together or whatever. So you have a little bit of this, like, you know, this mad scientist reanimator, you know, horror comedy going on. Well, at the same time, it starts turning into a revenge flick because they start, they go, they're going on a killing spree. One of them's even trying to find romance. There's, I'm not going to spoil the twist. Sounds like a hermit. Because there is a, it's, it's really kind of like, and it, and it's also done in vignettes, like a Tarantino movie. It kind of, it jumps around in the timeline. You get like little individual segments that are about each of the women and, and then like jumping back and forth. But the main actress who has to do I mean, some really good physical acting 
like, you know, just when she's like trying to do one thing and part of her body is demanding to do the other, you know, there's a, you know, there's a great killing spree at a frat party that happens. It's not super gory, just even though it sounds like it could be, but, uh, it, but it is, it's, it's got some really top, top notch makeup work for a low budget film. And it also features the best line of the year, which I don't think is spoiling anything, but just when the, when the mad scientist yells, unleash the owl cat. Because, because, yeah, because, because putting women, three women together in one body isn't his only experiment. He is also genetically, he's also spliced together an owl and a cat. Oh, and and if I didn't mention it, the director of this movie is Tyler McIntyre, who uh, made another movie, which we've mentioned here. He's the director of Tragedy Girls. Girls. Oh. Yeah. So if you were talking about like, well, man, you think you think Tragedy Girls has bad distribution? Apparently, Patchwork was made in 2014 and only just finally got saw the light of day in 2017. At least it's on fucking so, Netflix, though, where people can see it. Yeah, is that? Yes, and it's yes, unlike Netflix, which keeps saying, "Hey, we got a movie we recommend for you," and it's like Meet the Blacks. It's like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. That's uh, Patchwork. I'm going to get that. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Fun, fun film. All right. So on the number two. Go ahead, James. All right. Uh, we mentioned Mike Flanagan before. Uh, my second favorite movie of the year is Before I Wake. Wait, didn't, what the fuck is that? That is the movie that was originally <laughs> called, I think, Somnia, like three or four years ago. God knows oh, how long ago uh, it was. Uh, Thomas Jane. Okay. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It was going yeah. to be released to theaters. There were trailers, there were posters and yeah, then it yeah. was pulled and then it wasn't released. And then finally last February, I imported the damn Blu-ray from Canada and watched it and just sort of marveled over why a movie so good had not gotten released here. And now it kind of breaks my heart because this is a movie that should have gotten a wide release. It's a movie that should be seen on the big screen. Uh, by has it been released anywhere here it's been on it's on canadian netflix i believe uh and oh. u.s netflix is picking it up for i think the second week of january something like that so oh good because all of flanagan's so, so stuff i think speak, is ultimately going to wind so, up on netflix so technically speaking this should be on next year's list yeah what the hell jinx hey hey, hey 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 i i can't really defend this choice but I just I I was struggling, all right, to find movies to talk about. Don't you judge me. Where where where, where where's Kong Skull Island? <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that movie. I don't know that it would have made my top ten. As man, well, I guess I do know. I, 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 but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I never gave it a second thought afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of, yeah. I agree. I will be there for Kong versus Godzilla, or Godzilla Two, or whatever. But all of those movies so far, you're right. They're just. They're fun while you're watching them and munching on the popcorn, and the moment they end, yeah, they they just sort of go away. Um, I'm gonna, I gotta see what's that. The, what's, what's, I, what, what's, what's the red letter media line again? It's like it's like being dead for ninety minutes, but you're eating popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's I, I, I'm glad that that movie's coming out though, because yeah, I remember seeing that trailer a long time ago and thinking it looks pretty good. <laughs> and then it just disappeared. That's the thing. I didn't even think it looked that great, but I love Flanagan's stuff so much. I was I was kind of dying to see it, and I it's 
it's his best movie, I think. And, you know, I think if somebody were to watch it, especially like a died in genre fan, I mean, some might call it a stretch to call this horror, but, you know, it deals with the supernatural and it's truly terrifying at times. I mean, there are some jump scares in it and some really, really intense sequences that are, I mean, he outdoes it in that department, even though that may only take up 10 or 12 minutes of the entire movie. Um, but it's just, it's also a really heart wrenching movie too. I mean, the, the movie has loads of heart. I mean, there are great performances by, you know, Kate Bosworth and Jacob Tremblay from room and, and damn it, Thomas Jane. I tweeted this about a month, month and a half ago. And I mean it, damn it. I, I don't think Thomas Jane gets nearly enough credit. I, I think we take Thomas Jane for granted. I know. I, I, I love him. I no, I do too. But I mean, just overall, it feels like that guy should be on a different plane. Yeah, well, he, you know, he came real. I think he came real close. I felt like the the mid two thousands, like he he just missed. I think becoming like a major star because I think he was like he was getting some good opportunities, and he's you know he's a great actor, and I, I've met him, and he's a super cool dude, and he's very serious about his craft. Like he definitely take shit seriously he's very committed to it i just think he just had those those wrong roles like the punisher never took off uh the mist was a was a flop which is um, a shame because that movie's fucking great yeah but i think into like the, he was he well, was, don't forget about into the grizzly maze i don't know what i don't know what that is for Wait, you ever, you ever seen that one that, that one's actually a highly entertainment piece of what the hell am i possibly what what am i watching he he plays like a I forget he's like a park ranger or something like that. He's he's married to Piper Perabo, who's the the deaf nat- naturalist who goes out. Even though she's deaf, she goes out deep into the woods to take pictures and doesn't hear the grizzly bear that's sneaking up on her. And uh, uh, Cyclops is his estranged brother just out of prison who's come back, and they all end up out in the woods being stalked by a, a giant red grizzly bear that's gone berserk. And the only person who truly thinks he can stop it is. The, the quint of the movie, a, a, a slightly neuro- psychopathic himself kind of weirdo played by uh, Billy Bob Thornton. It's it's just a complete How ridiculous the fuck B did movie. I miss this? The same way you missed, I was a teenage were skunk apparently. Oh boy, I, I right. don't think were skunk had that kind of cast. So. <laughs> no, it, it didn't. They, they couldn't get everybody in it, but you know. <laughs> No, I, I, I love Thomas Jane. A, and I, they had a small budget. I, I, I love them in this. I again, just to go back to before I wake for a moment. I, it, it's great. It, it's really fantastic. I think it's Flanagan's best. Um, it's coming out soon. A lot of people haven't seen it. Won't ruin it. But nevertheless, I mean, the premise is really great. Uh, it's got loads of heart, great scares, and uh, damn it, I might have teared up a little bit during it. I mean, it's a it's a really touching movie that will also potentially make you piss yourself at a certain point. So definitely see it when it comes out. I'm going to watch that shit out of that in two weeks. It's great. And back to Thomas Jane, just one more thing. This probably would have made my honorable mentions list. Uh, I'll punch it in here quickly, but back to Thomas Jane, the movie was kind of hit or miss for me, but his performance in 1922, which was the other Stephen King adaptation that hit Netflix this fall is just fucking superb. Yeah. I got to see, I still haven't seen that. Boyd, did you? I have not seen it either. Okay, then. I guess we're on to somebody else's number two. Oh, I will give my number two. 
which is a movie that I love. And uh, I watched uh, it again I feel like last this night. Is, this is going to be it, isn't it? Oh, and uh, yes, we, we are t- we are talking Darren Aronofsky's mother. You know, the only thing that I can take from this is I think our number ones are the same, and I'm okay with that because I don't want to piss off people just by myself, and I'm, I'm glad that you're going to help me with that. So, so okay. But anyway, sorry to, to the to the movie at hand. How would, you, how would you sell this movie to somebody who hasn't seen it without ruining what it is? Because the marketing sure as hell couldn't do it. <laughs> the marketing was 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 really. I don't know how you sell this movie. Period. I mean, that's that's the thing. <laughs> uh, like, I I think I would sell it as because I had a callback yesterday. Yesterday was Christmas Day, um, and it was an incredibly. We hosted Christmas at our house, so we had a whole bunch of family over. Um, and at one point, I was trying to finish up cooking the turkey. You know, cook it. Uh, just five things cooking at once. And I, you know, my, our baby's crying. Michelle is taking the baby. She's going upstairs. Oh, I'm going to put her down for a nap. Um, cousins are fighting. Um, somebody else is, is, is yelling. And I just looked around and I'm like, there are fucking people everywhere in my house. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I, I don't know how to, I have all this anxiety. And I think that if you boil it down to, uh, you know, who are you and what the hell are you doing in my house? I think that's, that's, you know that's a good a good starting point to begin to say the premise is there's a lot of people that keep showing up at Jennifer Lawrence's house and they just won't leave. Yeah, of course. That's. I mean, it's definitely more that than Rosemary's Baby, which is what the marketing seemed to position it as. So. Yeah, even the the Blu-ray menu. That's the that 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 faux poster of like her head, like the, the Rosemary's baby poster. That's like the Blu-ray menu. And I was remembered that and I was like, what a strange poster for this movie. Like, I don't know why they would do that. Um, I, I love the movie because I, I love, I think in general, you know, any movie that gets the dreaded F cinema score, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm into it. And I know that there's, there's like, there's, there's sort of two different types of movies that get the F cinema score. There's like the, you know, I, I don't know what movies exactly, but I'm thinking like Foy mentioned Meet the Blacks earlier. Like there's stuff like that, like the Freeberg Seltzer, like like parody movies. Like there's those movies that get the F cinema score and you go, OK, I, I, that's that goes without saying. But then you have the other types of movies like Mother and like um, Ridley Scott's The Counselor or Killing Them Softly. And I mean, no, no coincidence. Solaris. I love all four of those movies. Same. So I, I, you know, I generally get really excited when when a movie gets the F because I think here's something that's that's going to challenge the audience in a way that they're not used to being challenged. And I'm not saying that that's automatically why it's good. I'm not saying that. And I I completely understand why Mother isn't isn't people's jam. But I think that in defense of Aronofsky. I think that when you're making a movie that is essentially two hours of 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 basically like you're 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 making a movie that's intentionally annoying, and you're you're sort of 
you're sort of in a way like that's what you want your audience. You want your audience to feel that sort of unease, but also just be annoyed and be and be and sitting in the theater, like just being frustrated and, and agitated. Like and I mean, agitated. filmmakers don't agitate their audiences nearly as much as they should, I think. Right. Um, and I love that about the movie. I thought I, and there was a point in it to, to talk about the movie, uh, in the context of its theatrical release. Um, I saw it on the Tuesday, the following Tuesday after it had come out, I went with a friend of mine to like the 10 o'clock show. And we were the only two people in the theater. And, uh, there's a point in the movie where something happens and, me and my buddy just turned to each other and just started laughing and we were with it. Like it, it, to us, like we were like, okay, this is funny. I get it. it. It's, it's, I know what it's doing. Um, and people say, Oh, it's pretentious and this and that. Yeah, it is. I get it. It is. Um, but it, it totally worked for me. I think that to, to make a movie like that, to make it entertaining, at least to me, um, and, and really kind of, make me feel that anxiety that I felt yesterday when there were really people in my house that I couldn't just make leave right away. Um, it, 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 it struck a chord with me. I think it's a really crazy movie, but I think it's a blast. I think it's really fun. Um, I think Jennifer Lawrence is great in it. And I think, um, you know, as far as what the movie means, it's funny because I see a lot of people talking about how, oh, it's this really heavy handed allegory for, you know, mother nature versus God and that dynamic, and I'm like, you know what? I didn't even get that. Like, that was something that, like, I didn't even pick up on that. Like, to me, it was, it was, and I see that now, especially after I watched it again. But to me, it was more, what I responded to more the first time was this idea of, like, uh, of an artist sort of just, just constantly courting that adoration and, and, and the sort of, the sort of ramifications on, on a loved one. Um, and, and it made me feel real bad. Because, you know, there are nights where I, I have to I have to go to work. I have to say, hon, you know, uh, are you cool with, you know, just watching the kids tonight? I know it's a huge pain in the ass, but I have a deadline. So sorry, babe. And I just come down here and I write and it's like I and, and that puts her through this hell, you know, and um, without a partner to help put two young kids to sleep. So like that type of thing made me feel like real bad about it it was like i'm watching the movie and i'm like oh my god am i as shitty as harvey at bardem in this movie like, <laughs> oh and and so i just i really connected with it i thought it was i thought it was a really interesting interesting movie and i am fully acknowledging that it's it's not everybody's bag but i have all the fucking respect in the world for paramount for for putting that out because they had to know they had to know that was not an audience friendly film oh god uh, yeah. you know and and uh so no well I, I absolutely loved it. Probably one of my new favorites. I uh, I really, really liked the movie. I think I appreciated it more than I can say I liked it, but I've only seen it once. And I, you know, seeing it one time, I think, is more of an experience than, uh, I don't know, just sitting and passively watching and judging a film. Like, I, I still don't quite know what my thoughts are on it fully, and I want to see it again before... Sure. You know, I can say, but I will say, I, I do appreciate the hell out of the fact that he was willing to go so bold with that movie and so bizarre. And there was, I watched the Thursday preview screening at my local theater. It was myself and a buddy, and there were a handful of jackassy teenage guys sitting behind <laughs> us, uh, and maybe one couple sitting a few rows up. And I will say this about it said jackassy guys 
were being jackasses during the trailers, you know, talking yeah, on their phones, like just being morons. The moment the movie began, that all sort of died down and they didn't oh. say a fucking word, throughout, <laughs> which stuns me. Really, really stuns me. They didn't say a word until the final they were 20 asleep. or 20. <laughs> they didn't say a word until the final 20 or 25 minutes. And there is a moment and I – I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but there is a shocking death of sorts. Um, and at this point, to me personally, as an audience member, I felt like – and this is weird to say, but I, I felt I was going a little mad watching yeah. it. I wasn't merely watching something crazy on screen. I was watching something and <laughs> I was having this weird internal sort of monologue with myself like – or dialogue rather where I was just kind of like, is this, is this fucking actually happening? Am I seeing what's happening? And then that death occurs and the guy behind me just – and I usually hate it when people try and make a spectacle of themselves in the middle of watching a fucking movie. But this guy, it's like he couldn't help himself. He just blurted out, what the fuck? (laughs) And me right in front of him, again, it usually pisses me off. But I was like, I'm right there with you, man. I I get it. I understand. Um, It's weird to watch a movie like this where it exists – only on a level of pure allegory. Like there's nothing else right. to it but that, you know, what it's trying to say. And uh, right. really both things. I mean, you touched on both, but I mean, yeah, by the time you get to uh, uh, just the the madness that sort of seeps in, like I, I felt like I was losing my mind a little bit. And I love that feeling. I, I hadn't seen that in a movie in a very, very long time. I had, I haven't seen anything like Mother on the big screen. I can't believe it got a wide release. I can't believe I sat in a movie theater in Ashland, fucking Kentucky, and watched that movie <laughs> with an audience. I mean, that's amazing to me. And uh, I have the even same reaction. It's like I can't believe that wasn't a. You know, you're going to drive to Boston to see it in the One Art House Theater that's showing it, or like, catch it on VOD. You know, yeah. or. I, I just that that blew me away, and I mean it has to be down to the cast certainly, and you know the the prestige of the filmmakers that were, but you know I, I I appreciated the hell out of the fact that that guy was able to use that goodwill, you know whatever he ha- he has, and he was able to use that cast to tell a story that we you know I I can't imagine you know being told by anybody else. And, I agree. Uh, I, I I appreciate it for all of that now. Is the movie fully successful to me? Like just as a film, not really, not entirely. I mean, there, there, the movie lags a bit, and once you kind of clue in, uh, once, <laughs> once one brother kills another, you kind of know what the game is going right. on, and as a result, Fair. there are no real surprises left in a way. You know, it, it all kind of follows a script, as it were, and. Uh, I don't know. By the time you get to the end of the final moments, even for all the lunacy that immediately preceded it, by the time you get to the final two minutes and you realize it was all kind of inevitable, it just, I don't know. It felt a little hollow to me, but again, I, I want to watch the movie again to, to see if my, my, my point of view changes because I think the movie's interesting enough to give another shot. And I think it's certainly interesting enough to applaud just it's kind of, boldness well i actually now that you say that i think i can hear foy ordering the the blu-ray on, <laughs> on amazon and i think he's ready to give another shot boy is that true I, I i feel about mother the way you feel about the stone man no <laughs> no i that this movie you know what this movie was clearly not for me I, I i only went to see it because i it just it didn't interest me at all but i kept 
hearing like you got to see it. It's absolutely fucking insane. It's just complete insanity. And mostly I, I, I was just bored to tears. The only reason I didn't walk out is because I kept waiting for it to go completely nuts. And then like towards the end, by that point, like I just want it to be over. <laughs> this was not for me. <laughs> I, you, know, you know what? You know what? I'll say this for Aronofsky. Okay. He's an incredibly talented filmmaker. He's clearly a genius. I mean, he somehow managed to get them to spend tens of millions of dollars <laughs> on this, you know, plotless allegory. He, he, he managed to get it into a wide release. He got to bang Jennifer Lawrence in the process. He is a genius on levels we cannot fully comprehend. <laughs> and even after this movie was a colossal flop, was, you know, basically the, the, you either loved it or you despised it. And he's going to get tens of millions of dollars to make whatever he comes up with next. And God only knows what that'll be. Bless him. God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so since we're talking about lunacy, uh, again, it's like, I'm not really, I don't really have things numbered. I mean, really good. Honestly, you know, like, you know, I'd probably have like split and happy death day as my one and two, but how about my number two? Since we're talking about complete lunacy mm-hmm. and spectacle and, and, and utter nonsense from China. It's not exactly a horror movie. It's, it's a whole bunch of genres. It's a horror movie. It's an action movie. It's a fantasy movie. It's a comedy. It, it's it's uh, Journey to the West, The Demons Strike Back. It's, it's, a, it's a sequel to that the That sounds like the freest movie that ever Floyd... <laughs> That. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Journey to the West. The demons strike back. That ticks every box yeah. for a movie that I expect <laughs> to hear about from you. It's it's the sequel to a 2013 Stephen Chow movie, which was Journey to the West: Conquering the Demons, which I think is on Netflix. I was kind of if hoping there no see. I was kind of hoping there would be no like prequel to it, though. I was. So. No, no, this, this is this, no, this is that was the first movie. If you haven't, I think it's on Netflix, and I would recommend it. It's it's insanity and it's awesome at the same time. It's highly imagined. That's what I love about most. It's just highly imaginative stuff you wouldn't expect to see. Like in the first film, like people are being attacked by a monster fish that does not look all that frightening. It's like they're being attacked by a giant koi fish, and then it turns out the koi fish is a shape changing demon, and it's all about this uh, hapless young monk who is like trying to find the good in a lot of these demons. And he has to join forces with the monkey King and he starts conquering some of these demons and turning them into his own allies. There's actually a great horror sequence in the first film that takes one of the creepiest things I've seen in a horror movie in a long time. And it involving like a, a, this pig man killer inside of who's like basically eating people inside of this. It, it's like stuff you would never see in an American movie. It's, it's based on Chinese mythology, and the sequel picks up with the hero and uh, the Monkey King and his other – it's almost like they are his allies and his hostages at the same time because uh, they, they're constantly plotting against him. They, they, I mean, you don't see too many movies where the hero where, – where, like, you know, they have to take time out from, like, actually fighting the bad guys – to like, you know, here's, here's the subplot where the Monkey King and his allies try to murder the hero and then realize, you know what, we should just be friends. <laughs> but, there's a sequ- but there's a sequence in the second movie involving, the, they go into this, I guess it's something like a brothel. Not quite sure what exactly it is, but like, there's like beautiful women in there, but all the demons can see them for what they truly are, except for the hero. 
Who's, uh, and they're all like these weird spider creatures. It's like they're giant spiders, but they don't really have like the like the like the like, like kind of like a centaur, where like half human, half spider. But like the human side isn't necessarily where you would expect it to be. So sometimes it's like you got this spider coming at you with this like humanoid part that's like on the bottom of the belly. And there's all sorts of like weird fight. There's a scene where they have to fight this like Chucky, like psychopathic toy creature that can conjure forth an army of like mechanical monsters. The middle point of the movie has this just incredible over the top action sequence. That's better than anything I've seen in any American movie this past year, because I didn't even get to the ending of the movie where they all have to team up to fight the real bad guys, and it involves giant statues of Buddha slap-fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> the heavens literally open up, and, and actual Buddha appears to get in on the slapping. There's, 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 yes, so you got spider monsters. You got toy creatures. You got like mechanical. You got entire you know, buildings being lifted up in the air and dropped. You got giant. You got Godzilla-sized uh, Buddha statues, slap fighting the hell out of each other for the future of the universe. You got ghosts. You got demons. I mean, really, it just watch these movies if you want to see something that's just truly just wacko and over the top. And they're from Stephen Chow, who did uh, like uh, Shaolin Soccer, Kung Fu Hustle. Hustle. And also the second, well, he didn't actually direct the second one, but the uh, the second one was directed by, I want to get his name right. I always get it wrong. Like Chow Hark, Sui Hark. Sui Hark? He's been doing like all sorts of martial arts and fantasy movies in, in Asia for, you know, decades. He also did that Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dennis Rodman movie from the late let's, 90s. Let's not, let's not, let's, no, let's not mention that. <laughs> was it no, Knockoff? I think it was Knockoff. No, Double Team. It was, I think, uh, Double Team. Maybe it was I think both. it was Double Team. So yeah, I, I saw Journey to the West, The Demon Strike Back on the big screen in 3D. And that, like I said, that middle section battle sequence was just like, that was the most awesome thing I've seen in a 3D movie in a long time. All right, sold. Yeah. Grudgingly. Lie again. No, that one, the, you, you sold me on that one. I, I, I mean it. Okay. I will watch it. Do I need to see the first one? Uh... Yes and no. It, it probably wouldn't hurt. I, honestly, I think the first one's even better. Okay. The first one is actually a, a more well-rounded movie. The second one has a, has a, has a little bit of a lag. Uh, there is a Buddha who comes. Yeah, well, it's all about the Buddha palm strike. You've got to understand that. And, and the Buddha palm strike only comes in the form of Buddha himself, the size of God, palm striking the shit out of you. <laughs> And, I, and look, believe me, I'm telling you all this. I haven't even mentioned the horny p- transforming pig man. I haven't even mentioned the fish man. I haven't even mentioned the, um, you know, the, all the stuff that the monkey king does, who's kind of like, like a, like a, he's like a, uh, like if Jackie Chan and Loki had a were monkey baby, that's what he's like, who happened to be a Chinese god. <laughs> and, and he, and he really, really hates it when you say, when you call him bad monkey. He does not like being like you know talked down to and lectured. I'll watch it. I got to be honest with you. Now that I'm admitting that I'm going to watch this one, I can I can go ahead and tell you I'm 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 not going to watch Wear Skunk. <laughs> oh. I, well, I, I, again, that, that's a hard that's a harder sell. All right, Feeny. I why do I get the feeling that our number ones are the same? Wait, did you do your number two? Uh, yeah, didn't I? 
Yeah, before I wake. What was it? Oh, before I Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, our number ones. So, all right. Uh, is it a... Uh, are our number ones, are they both a long-form piece maybe. of storytelling? Maybe. Maybe. Is this... Can I just say something real, wait, wait, real quick before you say it? I'm almost a little disappointed that you at no point uh, said uh, it comes at night so I can hear Feeney's head explode. <laughs> I, no, I will say this about it comes at night. I rented it the other night. I watched the first 15 minutes. It put me to sleep. Yeah, and guess what? I, there ain't nothing else that happens throughout it. I so. woke up the next day and thought, hey, I need to finish that. And then I thought, no, nah, I don't. And then I took it back. I, I- I, th- I think the best co- comment I've heard about that movie is like it should have been called "It Goes Nowhere." Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I do, I do want to give it a shot because I like the cast a lot. But man, I, I put it in my yet to see list because I feel like you know you watch the first ten or fifteen minutes of the movie, uh, you haven't terrible. really gotten a sense of it unless it's a stone man. But you know, I just I, I felt no need after that little sampling to to see any more. I feel like. In that ten to fifteen minutes, I knew exactly where it was going to go and what it was going to be like while getting there. And I just and that's the thing; it, it does. It, 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 I had the same thought. And there's a moment in the middle where something potentially very interesting happens, or or is hinted at. It has nothing to do with the creatures. It's all about these characters in a confined space. Um, but it, it, it flirts with the idea of introducing a really kind of sordid. Uh, potentially interesting element to it, and I th- and I, it made me perk up for a second because I was like, "Well, if it goes here, then this uh, kind of upends the apple cart. Where what, then what happens?" But of course, it doesn't, and then it's it ends up after that scene, it's never mentioned again, and then the rest of it goes exactly where you think it's going to go, which, to Foy's point, is exactly nowhere. It's a I could not believe that film. Yeah. All right, I may uh, I may skip that one for some time. Then uh, so, we're, so we're saying that so we're saying the best Joel Edgerton movie of the year was the one where he was an, uh, a a badass orc cop. Absolutely, yes. I thoroughly enjoyed Bright. I enjoyed the hell you know out what, of it. Too. Bright would have Bright would have been better if they'd actually just called it Orc Cop. Hard <laughs> <laughs> to argue that. <laughs> I, I I liked Bright, but I'm the weird guy. I mean, I'm not defending the 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 guy. I mean, but. I've been weird, I guess, in that I have enjoyed all of the movies that Max Landis has written. Uh, I know I am in the minority on that, I think. But you know, I haven't I, seen I, you know what? I, I, I remember telling Feeney like a year ago, it's like, you know, people were giving so much shit to Victor Frankenstein. Like, it's a perfectly decent B movie. The movie's a blast. It's, it's not great. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's not memorable, except for maybe James McAvoy, who just decides, you know, I'll dial it up to 11. It's the only movie in existence I've ever seen where someone where a hunchback is cured by drinking his hump because <laughs> it's, it's just a giant fluid sack. So here, bend over. I'm going to stick this in your back and drink your fluid out. Congratulations, I, uh, you're cured. You're cured, Harry Potter. I thought American Ultra was okay. I, I mean, did. I didn't. I didn't love it, but I, I thought it was like totally a decent way to kill an evening. Um, yeah, I don't know. Fantastic. I mean. Well, you know what? It's, it's a moot point because I don't, I'm not sure we're going to have too many more Max Landis movies for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if the rumors are to be believed, I mean, then that's that's all for the better then. But I mean, but up until that point, I mean, it seemed like everybody was bashing him based on, I mean, his personality. And I mean, sure, I, you, you scroll through his Twitter feed and he does seem kind of insufferable. But damn it, I, I enjoyed the movies the man wrote. So, 
Anyway, holy shit, how did we get there? Ah, right, right, work, cop. Uh, Edgerton, it comes at night, didn't see it, we're back. Number one, Feeney. You just uh, want to Twin cut. Peaks. Yeah. It's, and, an easy, it's, a, it's an easy one. And we're not and even that original in saying this because I've listened to other podcasts and I've scrolled through Twitter and people are naming it as one of their favorite movies and apparently that's somehow a controversial fucking thing to do. Uh, just wait until I try and make the point that Twin Peaks The Return is actually a Christmas movie too. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I I look at it as I don't I mean it's it's amazing that to hear some of the people on on Twitter that are like it's a show it played on TV I don't know why I'm doing an Admiral Akbar voice but um, it played on TV <laughs> it's a show <laughs> <laughs> and now and now Feeney will die and now Feeney will die off screen <laughs> yeah yeah you guys can casually mourn me and then and then move on to three hours of lugubrious bullshit um, but anyway. Um, I, yeah, it's like it's it's the least the, you know watching that show week to week. I loved it, but I was like, this is the least like constructed for television thing I've ever seen on television. Oh yeah, like it's it's so like people that I talk to that like we're we're, we're like kind of like what it like this you never know when it's going to end every week. It just randomly ends, and you know it's like you have to explain to people it's like well because it was just written and shot all as one thing, and it's not really. And even like Showtime, David Nivens, the CEO of Showtime, said they had talked about, you know, different ways to distribute this. And one of them was like, well, do we do like random chunks in in theaters? Like, what do we do with this? And so it was it. I think that we're justifying. Yeah, it would have been really interesting. And I think we're totally justified because I think that, you know, I mean, without being cliche, I mean, it definitely is 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 challenging to the format and Lynch himself says he thinks of it as an 18 hour film. So, I mean, I, I don't think we're too outside the realm here of, of saying that it's, it's, you know, it's worth talking about on a movie list. It is. I, it absolutely is. It is. I, I think it's more of an 18 hour movie than it is a television show because even, you know, when you watch television shows on networks, I mean, there is a natural sort of structure that they follow yeah. in order to get to the soap commercials. But I mean, there are act breaks. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. And it seems like even when you get to Netflix, which doesn't have to worry about, you know, things like that, it doesn't have to worry about commercials, it doesn't have to worry about needing those act breaks. And yet, you know, shows that are designed solely for streaming formats like that, they still sort of fall into that same structure, you know, to an extent. Twin Peaks does not. It is borderline formless, except, you know, we're following all these characters with forward momentum with each of their stories, and then we just intercut between them. But... Uh, if there is any sort of structure, I mean, the only signal that you had with each episode that it was about to end is, you know, we cut back to the roadhouse and, you know, there's a, there's a song that plays us out except with episode eight and episode eight is kind of special for any number of reasons. But yeah, I, I well, don't, even if the, yeah, I was going to say, well, number one to, to your first point, there are a couple episodes that don't have it. And those episodes I would gasp when the crew, when starring <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin would come up because I was like, Oh my God, it's over. Like it, it, it number one, it would entrance me so much that I, I, the hour would, I, no hours ever gone by faster in my life. But number two, like it's in a way so formless that one hour that, yeah, like you don't, you have no sense of, Oh, this is the end of the episode. So when it would just end, it was like, Holy shit. And isn't that um, exciting that you're on no level ticking by the moments and ticking by the scenes and knowing where it's going and knowing how much time, you know, has passed on, you know, sort of this innate level. Instead, you're just watching it and you're just absorbed by the story that's being told. And 
I God, I love it for that. I don't know that I could call it a movie. I'm going to call it my favorite movie of the year, but I mean, it's not really a movie. It's not really anything. It's its own thing. No. It's its own <laughs> special, wonderful thing. And I, I think that's worth celebrating because my God, I, I saw nothing this past year that equaled the experience of tuning in every Sunday night to watch Twin Peaks The Return, which was like, and I'm not the first person to mention this at all, but it really felt like you know, yeah, I could have watched it streaming later on. You know, I subscribed to Showtime. I, I could have watched it anytime I wanted. But damn it, every Sunday night I wanted to see it as quickly as possible and then leap on the Twitter and see what everybody was saying. And it felt like water cooler appointment yeah. television yeah. again. And that's something that's been missing for a very long time that I miss. Uh, yeah, I've never enjoyed anything more than watching this. <laughs> I know that sounds like the most hyperbole in the in the realm of hyperbole but i mean i've never been ha- i've never been happier than this summer watching watching this oh and my daughter was born too that's why i was really happy <laughs> but, really, but um but i i just i mean i can't believe this is a thing that that happened it's almost like it just manifested i mean i i am still shocked it's like i i can't believe that now there's twin peaks doesn't end with episode 22 and and you know Coop laughing about Annie. It's like I I can't believe that's not the haunt. And I know that the movie obviously is is after, but you know I I just can't. It it still hasn't sunk in yet that there's this whole other tome of Twin Peaks now that exists alongside the original show that is its own thing and it's strange and hilarious and terrifying. Um, and you want to talk about episode and... eight, which is. The most scared I think I've ever been watching anything is <laughs> literally terrifying, and I I I was not prepared for that as a thirty eight year old man. Just being like, I'm in my living room, my wife is right next to me, and I am scared. <laughs> what, what is happening? Um, so there's, and that's the genius of of David Lynch is that he he can. I don't I don't know how he makes it all look so easy. You can be laughing your ass off, and then just being like, oh my god. This is going to haunt my dreams. Um, but I, yeah. And Jinx, you and I could do like a whole separate episode talking about the return. And I kind of wish we had done that after the finale. Same. Um, but um, because I, I still haven't gotten it all out of my system yet. And I, I would love to. I think it's still like swirling around unresolved. Um, but I, yeah. Well, let's I, at least say one thing, which is I think you and I came to the same point, which was I – as soon as I finished it, I felt, you know, I'll admit that final shot and I'm not going to run it because it is still new enough, but, uh, I won't even do a spoiler warning. I'm just not going to say what it is, but that final shot, it was terrifying and sad and, but also frustrating knowing that we might not get any more twin peaks after that. But the thing that's brilliant about it is the same thing that I love about Mulholland drive and lost highway and a lot of Lynch's stuff, which is, you know, you can just sit and think about what you've seen after and sort of piece together that puzzle yourself and and come up with different meanings that might be entirely separate from any other viewer, but you, you can find out what it means to you. And in talking about it with you, I think we both landed in the same spot, which is, you know, that Pretty ending, close. which is terrifying. And it seems hopeless in that moment. You know, upon reflection, I think the show ends on a note of, not damnation or hopelessness or anything that uh, like that. I, I think the ending, as frightening as it is, I think it signals a moment of salvation. I think it's actually 
in a weird way, an upbeat ending. But of course, we'd have to talk for about an hour to yeah. explain why that is. But I think that's what's brilliant about it. It's why you know any somebody can have a completely different read on Lost Highway than I do. It's why, well, maybe not Mulholland Drive. I think. I've said this before on this show, but I think Mulholland Drive is actually fairly easy to suss out, but maybe that's just me. But uh, No, it, it is. It, it's his, probably his easiest. Um, it's an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. I, I said to my wife, um, yeah, when, when we first started dating, um, I took her to Boston to see – she was really – like we, we were only going out for maybe like three weeks or something like that. And there was a revival of blue velvet and lost highway, a double feature. And I was like, do you want to go see some weird movies? (laughs) She was, (laughs) she was very not, not uh, she, she was not very cinematically. uh, She had not been cinematically groomed as a kid. So she was like very, very noob, noobish when it came to, to all things film. So a lot of things I've, I've shown her. And so this was a, it was a leap. He, he, Uh, he groomed her like the little girl. In, in Gerald's game. Yes, exactly. That's yes. Thank yeah, you. Yikes, boy. <laughs> As a child molester, boy. Thank you. You <laughs> fuck. Um, <laughs> but um, but I, but she get she gets like real mad at David Lynch, and but she likes him. So like she the the most violent I've ever seen her was when we watched The Racerhead, because she was just That's she went off a tough one to me. The second it ended, she went off, and I've never seen her go off. And I was like, about that, about a movie. And I was like in stunned silence. I was like scared because she was like, what the hell is this? This is such a waste of time. And people watch this crap, and they think, oh, this is so genius because it doesn't make any sense. And what a waste of time. It's so stupid and just going on and on and on and on. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm it's me after Mother. <laughs> it was me after Star Wars, The Last Jedi. <laughs> um, but I, I – um, so I, I said to her, you know, I was like, you know, the thing with Lynch, the, the Cliff's notes to Lynch is like, you know, you people get too bogged down in like trying to connect point A to point B to point C on the first viewing. And it's like the Cliff's notes, the really the secret is like just figure out how the how how the scene makes you feel. And you, yeah. and it's usually a pretty good indicator of like what's going on in the scene in the movie, if not exact, like it should help you sort of know well, I think this is what I'm supposed to. I, I think I'm supposed to go this way with the movie. Uh, and she was like, "Yeah, okay." It, so she was like, "You know what? This makes a lot of sense." When we were watching Twin Peaks, she was like, "This makes a lot of sense. This is actually helping me really dig the show." Until the last scene, because I was talking about it with her after, and she's like, "Well, you say every time, how does it make you feel?" And blah 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 blah. And so this makes you, the, the the note that it goes out on is this, and now you're saying that that's the opposite. And I'm like, "Oh shit, she's got a point." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I still think I think that that's the case too. I did not read that as a doom and gloom. I think the funnier thing for me and why I couldn't I I was challenged by the ending, but um. I couldn't even really be mad at it or or confounded about it for too long because I went on Twitter immediately after and I just started cracking up at at the fans because there was such a sort of like we waited 27 years for this and he did it again. He just did the same thing again. And it's like no well no he didn't, but I understood I understood where that was coming from and I just thought it was so funny to be like in a way you had to expect something like that was going to happen. Like that's, that's a very David Lynch thing to do. And I'd be a little disappointed if it, if it, if it, if it was all left with a tidy bow and the, Oh, that's it. 
you know, thanks for coming. Well, it's because, it, yeah, it, it's David Lynch. He's bold and visionary and takes things in a new direction that fans can't handle, you know, like The Last Jedi. <laughs> Ouch! How dare you? I'm sorry. I just, you know what? I, I don't. I, that, that's the one defense of The Last Jedi that just drove me up the wall. I would keep saying, oh, 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 yeah. say that. It, it's bold and it's visionary, and the fans can't help it. I'm like, you know, I hated Mother, but if, if, if the, what would you call what, what adjectives would you use to describe that besides bold and visionary? <laughs> what would you use to describe Twin Peaks? It's like, come on, people. Let, let, let's let's let's. Uh, let, let's be a little more sane about our defenses of uh, of popcorn movies. Yeah, I don't. I do not understand the uh, the reaction on both sides to Star Wars. I can't believe we're talking about Star Wars at the end of our top ten. Oh, that's okay. Cause it's gonna tie, it, it, it'll it'll tie, it'll tie into my final movie. Okay. Uh, I I just I when I walked out of it, I the fan backlash had not hit yet, and all I had to go on were all these rapturous reviews talking about how amazing it was, and I watched it. And I was like. I had fun. I had I had fun, but it's it's overly long, and there are things that don't quite make sense, and there are these moments that feel like they should be iconic that feel completely bungled. And Ryan Johnson is a great writer and a very good director, and I've liked all of his previous movies, but Ryan Johnson, the great writer, did not show up to the Last Jedi. Ryan no. Johnson, the very good director, tripped and fell a couple of times while directing yeah. the Last Jedi. Right. I mean it. But it's not. But I don't think it's terrible. I mean, to hear some people on one side, it's the worst fucking movie ever made, and it's not. To hear other people say it's the best Star Wars ever made, and it's not. I. But you should. What you should say is that Ryan Johnson, the great writer, was under the thumb of the of the Disney Corporation, and you're going to do things their way. They'll give you some leeway. But but you're going to still have to put things in there that they want. I mean, I think there's a lot of fascinating stuff in there that feels like him. Yeah. Like there are moments where it's like that feels like it's from the guy who gave us Brick and Looper. And then there's a lot of stuff in there where it's like, what the fuck were you thinking? Why? How is that even? How do you get there as a storyteller? You know, um, but again, I don't it, it's I, hard for me to hate anything Star Wars related just because I don't really see them as being. And I'm not being dismissive. I know people love those movies. Hell, I I love the original trilogy. But to me, on some level, they're always going to be – don't hate me, people out there who are listening to this. They're always kind of going to be kids' movies. And I judge a movie like Mother – and maybe I shouldn't. Maybe maybe – hear me out. Hear me out. I t- if if I go and watch uh, uh, that, uh fuck it you know what I'll turn the gun on myself here if I go to watch oh, Justice Jesus, League <laughs> it's been a year uh, if I go to watch Justice League especially knowing what's come before and what I want from it I'm not expecting much more than a fun popcorn flick that's really all I'm expecting out of Star Wars 2. No matter how good they can get, Empire is a fucking great movie. But, you know, I, I and I'm glad that it did that. But if a movie attempts that and fails, I'm still going to judge it by a popcorn movie standard. Maybe that makes me an asshole, but I, it, it is the truth of me as a viewer. And so I can't get too pissed off at The Last Jedi. You know you what know, I mean? I, but I, I did, and it's it's because I was bored, and I and that's the that's the one thing I don't want to come out of a Star Wars movie, 
feeling like is that I, I walked out going, uh, you know, every every movie in the series up until this, whether they're good or bad, had a sort of propulsiveness to it that left you at the end going, okay, like, I, I understand, you know, where we are now. These characters have changed a little bit and, you know, it's set up for the next one. And this movie, I walked out going, with the exception of, of Oscar Isaac, none of the characters had any growth. They started to, and then they went right back to where they were at the beginning, which is incredibly strange to me. So these these emotional arcs had no payoff, and all the stuff that was set up in the last movie uh, was sort of just hand-waved away as in a brilliant, quote, subversion of expectation, yeah. which I think some of that stuff is fine to do that, and other stuff I think, no. You know, I mean, I just don't think that you can hand wave everything away that the last movie set up as sort of like, these are the big things that this series is going to be about. Nope. I don't know where the next one goes. I thought you know? one it, of them was great when it came to raise parents. I thought that was actually kind of that brilliant. Was the, that was the closest one to, to that I liked. But the um, big death that happens in the middle of the film, like oh, it was atrocious. If we, no, I love how unceremonious it was. But at the same time, given who that character is and everything that led up until that point, I, I just – I needed more from that character before that moment happened. And, yep. and we didn't get it and we're probably never going to get it now because well, these movies aren't that, about flashbacks and whatnot unless we get a fucking prequel. And I don't need a prequel for that character either. But No, no. I think part of it is – is that part of the blame I think goes on <laughs> what – so, so you're not going to go rush out to see Ron Howard's Snoke, a Star Wars story? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go go too long on Star Wars, but I mean, like, yeah, I just you know what? Go on, finish up. No, I was just saying, like, I, I've never, I've never walked out being like, wow, that was a slog. I mean, it was just. Well, you know what? Yeah, that that you know, what? let's just jump right into mine, because I'm about to utter a sentence I never thought I would say. Oh, shit. For my final film on my list. I'm and I never thought I'd walk out. I haven't seen it yet. Like a good sink, I embrace. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah, he knows what I'm going he, he to say. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers because, you know, like I said, Feeney hasn't seen it yet, and it, it really needs to be seen. I never thought I'd ever say find the day where I'd say, I like the sequel to Skyline better than I like the Star Wars movie. <laughs> that is, is that your number one? Well, I, I'm not going in any kind of order. I've already told you it's like Split would probably be my number one. I'd probably have Happy Death Day. I'm just doing random movies here. It's madness. I'm, I'm not some order freak like you are. Madness. So I'm going with, so I'm going, yes, Madness is Beyond Skyline, the movie where the filmmakers said to themselves, you know what would have made Independence Day better? If there were more giant monster battles and kung fu fights. If there were subplots involving... You know, brain-stealing aliens getting into battles with members of the uh, the cast of the movie The Raid. The movie where Frank G- Grillo's hair cannot be destroyed by UFOs, nuclear blasts, or giant monsters. I mean, that I buy. It's amazing. That it, it, it's, 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 it is a ridiculous, preposterous B-movie. And in the best ways, half the movie takes place on board a UFO, and then all of a sudden you're in the jungles of like Laos. And, and then it's, it's like, it's like if empire pictures and Canon pictures got together and made their own independence day movie. 
And then, and then just to add to the madness at the very end, without, again, without spoiling, it kind of ends on a note that would set up a third film. It sends on this, ends on this kind of almost kind of like a cliffhanger, a high note, and without even skipping a beat, jumps right into the blooper reel. It's the most weird choice I've ever seen an editor make. Like, bum, 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 and cut right to a guy in an alien costume tripping and falling on his face while the crew laughs. <laughs> It's like, what the hell? It's the perfect ending for this madness. And it, now it, you may more, have sold me on fucking Beyond Skyline. Oh, yeah. You, oh, believe me, you need to be sold on Beyond Skyline. It, it needs to be seen. It, it, I mean, the first Skyline movie had like some cool monsters and some cool ideas and so, a couple of cool, neat scenes. <laughs> but it was almost unbearable because it was like all the cast... I mean, the, the Skyline is basically... You know, Independence Day told from the point of view of background extras from any random episode of Melrose Place. Yeah. It's just a bunch of like self absorbed Los Angeles douchebags all huddled together inside of this one skyscraper hiding from biomechanical alien monsters while UFOs battle the military outside. And it's like, well, there's some cool stuff in here, but my God, it's such a slog to get through because the characters are just unlikable, uninteresting. And this time, it's Frank Grillo saying fuck a lot while he tries to save his son from being kidnapped by aliens and then decides he's going to just go on a, it's a mad killing spree of aliens who are stealing people's brains and putting them right. inside of biomechanical monsters. Sounds good. And then, uh, yes, and then members of the raid show up and, they, <laughs> and they're fighting in the jungles. <laughs> it's like you're watching this movie, and you're like, when does Van Damme show up? Clearly, Jean Claude. No, he doesn't. But you feel like Jean Claude Van Damme or Michael Dudikoff should be making an appearance at any moment. Why have those guys nice. not been in a movie together? Why? Why haven't we made that happen? Why has Van Damme never played a vampire? It seems like he was born to play a vampire. Wait, what? I'm just saying, Van Damme should play a kung fu vampire. He's never done that. He seems like a guy who like he'd be great to be cast as a vampire. I, I, okay. I, I, okay. Think about it. Canon Films, Kung Fu Dracula. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, uh, before we start wrapping up here, can I ask, did you guys, okay, you, you only had seven movies on your top ten, so asking for honorable mentions might be stretching it a bit, I suppose. But any other movies you care to mention or shine a light on before we take off? I will say this is not necessarily a horror movie, but I loved Brawl and Cell Block 99. Damn it, I still haven't seen it. That, that's a good one. Yeah, that that that's just basically two hours of of Vince Vaughn being the badass you never thought he could be. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being serious or snarky right now, Foy. No, I'm the being thing, serious. Okay, cool. The thing he kind of sells sells that a little bit in True Detective, and this is like that to like the umph degree. I loved him in True Detective. So did I. Uh, I really want to see that because I loved uh, was it S. Craig Zoller's previous movie. Uh, Bone Tomahawk. So yes, I just on the strength of that first movie, anything he wants to do from this point on, I'm I'm there for. He's going to have to fuck up a whole lot for me to not want to catch one of his new movies. Uh, you're you're going to like this one. I can't wait. Um, all right, I will have to check that one out. I think it's out on Blu-ray as we record this. Yes. I think it just came out today. So, Foy, how about you? Any other movies to mention? Uh, I don't know. Uh, what about Trailer Park Shark? Um, <laughs> no, let's not mention that. Did um, any of you see the Belko experiment? Yeah, I, I just watched it last weekend. Really enjoyed it. Was all right. 
47 meters down. Anybody? Anybody? Until uh, that, until I, that ending? I, I, I skipped that one. I thought it was all right. I it's skipped. surprisingly good, and the final 15 minutes are fucking unbelievably intense. Ah. Probably the most... See, I loved it. I, I oh, oh, I thought you were going to say the yeah, ending. You know, no, not the not the final minute, but the fifteen minutes leading up to that, I thought were yeah, just fantastic. I, I didn't find the final yeah. minute either. I thought I think the movie set that up, so I was kind of like, as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, yeah. I know what you're going to do. Um, so I, I did not really mind that they they did that, and I thought it was good. I thought it was a decent little movie. I will say the CG sharks looked incredible in it. Like that's probably the best looking, especially at the end, like when it leaps out of the water just briefly. Like I, it completely sold me. So yeah. Yeah, Oh, so you haven't seen the uh, the animation in Toxic Shark? I have not. Where the uh, the mutant shark (laughs) mutant shark blows one dimensional green slime out of a blowhole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll give you one. Going back to something we talked about earlier, it's like a movie that's good but is like being highly, like just really oversold as being better than it actually is. I would put as an honorable mention, better watch out. I haven't seen that yet. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I I found it clever enough to, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's perfectly enjoyable, but people are trying to elevate it to something that it's not. And it's like, no, it's not, it's not great. (laughs) It's just a decent little mean spirited Christmas movie. Yeah. About a You know, about a, about a psychopath. (laughs) Who just happens to be like you know the good son? I, okay. I swear it's. I don't but, want to know uh, that much. Well, that's not really that big of a spoiler. Trust me. It is a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, 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 another weird one is the is Red Christmas. Still haven't. Just like that. okay, this. Yeah, it's like this one's. It's really. It's. I don't think it's very good, but it has such a weird vibe to it and such strange characters that it it constantly remains oddly watchable. And it has some of those surprisingly, like, most gruesome, inventive kills in a slasher movie I've seen in a long time. Right. But, it, you know, again, it's like, it, it's decent, but it's like, it's in a weird sort of way, but it's like, it's not great. It's like, stop overhyping this shit. <laughs> that I, I sat here and put, I put, I was a teenage wear skunk on my list, and even I'm not sitting here saying, it's a great movie, you have to see it. <laughs> Can I ask, did you guys happen to see uh, The Babysitter or Death Note on Netflix? No. Uh, I I saw The Babysitter and I thought like, eh. I, I had no real opinion of it one way or another. I thought it would have been a lot better if it wasn't trying. It, it seemed like one of those movies that was like absolutely convinced that like, I'm the shit. I am so fucking cool. Yeah. And it was kind of. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I like parts and of yeah, it, but. Yeah, and Death Note, I don't know. I, I love the Japanese Death Note movie. I, I haven't even bothered with this one. The new one is interesting in that I if you're I'm not. I uh I'm not like an Uber fan who needs it to be exactly like the, the manga or the anime or the previous film adaptation, which I mean also took liberties. Um and it seemed like a lot of fans were and they hated the the American flick as a result. I thought it was a fun retelling of that story that didn't do it in any sort of slavish way. And I, I thought the hell out of it. I thought it was really great. I think it was one of Wingard's better movies, uh, and a hell of a rebound after Blair Witch, but, uh, that's just me. Did you guys, okay. Feeney, you mentioned you have shutter. Uh, have you seen Sadako versus Kayako? No, it's so much fun. It's, I, I, I'm a fan of the original Ring and Grudge franchises, and 
there's something about it. it. It plays. It really does feel like watching Freddy versus Jason. I don't for better or worse, but it feels <laughs> like a not just a mashup. You know, not just a a, a a crass way to pit these two characters against one another. It feels like a love letter to an entire subgenre. And uh, from the opening two minutes, I was grinning ear to ear from that moment until the very end. It's not scary at all, but damn it, if it's it's not super enjoyable. All right. Uh, Annabelle creation, I thought was fun. Uh, Boy's not wrong when he called it jump scare the movie, Um, but it was enjoyable. Uh, Past that, oh, one movie I kind of wanted to put in my top ten, and I didn't just because I thought it would have been one hell of a stretch to call it horror. But and yet, you know, it it had a hell of a jump scare in it, a single one, and uh, it deals with supernatural. But I really dug a ghost story. I haven't seen that yet. I want to see it. It's very good. I it's, haven't seen it either. It's oh, more you know what? I just, I just, I just remembered another one of those. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you go with Ghost Story first. No, no, no. I was just going to say it's it's definitely worth a watch. It's more of a uh, kind of a love story and, in a way, kind of a meditation on grief. Um, it'll probably try a lot of folks' patience, I would think, especially the pie eating scene, which seems like super indulgent, and yet at the same time, it kind of really works for what it's trying to do. But um, I don't know. I, I, I really dug it. I haven't seen another movie quite like it this year. So uh, Another honorable mention is one that most people probably haven't seen. It's on VOD. It's called All the Devils Are Here. I'll have to look that it's, up. Yeah, it's basically a group of like you know, college kids g- going out into like the uh, someone's cabin out in like the Florida Everglades. And they get attacked by these kind of like almost descent style cannibal creatures, humanoid cannibal creatures. It's very low budget. It's kind of done to be very sort of like early 80s retro, even though it's set in modern times. The midsection really bogs down, unfortunately, but it's got a really strong start and a really good, a really good first act and a really good third act. It doesn't go exactly the way you think you, things would go with the, most of this. But it's actually you know, for a low budget movie that was like apparently sat on the shelf for a couple of years. It's like it's like that's one people should actually take a look at. Cool. And it's got a cool Carpenter style synth soundtrack. All the devils are here. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, guys. I think we have pretty much wound down here. Do we have any final thoughts on the year that was 2017? No. <laughs> Boy. Um, you should also take a look at King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, the uh, Asylum uh, mockbuster oh of the King God. Arthur movie that nobody went to see. This is the one that's uh, – it's the King Arthur movie that's set in Thailand where all of the knights are just <laughs> modern-day ex-soldiers with machine guns and they have to battle a giant robot. It, it's, it, it, it's not good. <laughs> and that's where we're ending. That's yes. where we got to end. There's literally nothing else left to combat that with, and so you're leaving our audiences with King Arthur and the Knights of the Round. Okay. Oh, right. you know what? And I botched, no, I botched no, no, the description no. too. Do what? Oh. oh wait. I, I, I left out the I left out the part about like you know when, when the evil uh, evil wizard comes back to Earth in a UFO for whatever reason. Oh my god! And that's pretty much our time, folks. We hope you have a happy and safe holiday weekend and a great 2018. Here's hoping it's better than 2017, anyway. 
Fuck, let it be better than 2017. Remember, everyone. Remember, remember, remember. Really? Uh, yeah, you, the last time you were on, you interrupted no, no, my no, intro. No, no. Now you're interrupting my outro. Yeah, we, really? Boy. Yes, 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 because I, I got to remind everyone to tweet <sighs> at, and comment, uh, man up, bitch, hashtag stone man at Jinx, so that he will finish the damn movie and we can discuss it in detail. Hey, Hey, hey uh, uh, you know what? I That offer is still on the table. You get me Korean Golden Bat. I will watch fucking Stone Man. I got it somewhere. I'll find it. Gauntlet Throne. It's somewhere in my vast collection. <laughs> All right, guys. Can you go ahead and let audiences know? Audiences, audience, listeners, whatever. It's late. I'm tired and I've had too much to drink. Can you let folks know how they can find you online? Uh, Twitter, at Matt Feeney. Boy. Twitter, at Foy Wonder. <laughs> yes, I don't know. You, All right. you, you can find my YouTube. You can find a YouTube channel, Foy Wonder. You can find a Facebook page, Foy Wonder. I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> All right. As always, please make certain to like, subscribe, share, use the comment section below. Yell at us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Scream Addicts, and I'm at Jinx1981. We'll see you again in 2018. Until then, thanks so much for listening, folks, and have a great weekend. What about the FBI? I am the FBI. Mm-hmm.